the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, it's a Tuesday. It means that the power panel's here today. We're all just kind of getting settled in right now. We've RD just arrived. Paul just got from the, came here from the Senate. They voted on the uh, Article 5, and we'll talk about that, Convention of the States. And uh, Jan's here today. I just got her back upstairs after getting her. her she got one of these. Look like, press credentials. I'm official like now. Yeah, yes. You get a press credentials official. now. Uh, Paul's got one. I just told R.D. where he has to go during the next break. And you got to be back. He in, told R.D. where he has got, to go. you got to be back in four <laughs> minutes. No, I'm just kidding. In four minutes? you got to be back. I get told that often, but often. usually I'm given more time than that. <laughs> Not here, man. It just doesn't work here. All right. So, Paul, right off the bat. Big goings-on in the state Senate. So the Senate just passed the Article 5 Convention of States. Um, what was the vote? Do you know? Can it you was... Can uh, come up with the... I, I stepped out as they, as they were finishing it up. It was... It, I think it was about 18 or 19. Four. Okay. Yeah. Still several people against, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And why, did they did they speak out yeah. why they were voting Joy, against? Joyce Elliott spoke against it. She's concerned um, about where it could go. Um, Senator Bond also spoke against it. He's, okay, that's he's, who Democrats. They don't correct. Um, <laughs> let me think. I don't. I don't know if there's any Republicans that spoke against it. Um, okay, so now I, I feel better. Um, Senator Clark got up and spoke for it. Um, yeah. Let me see who I would else, have expected that. Who else spoke for it? Senator Johnson spoke for it. Okay. And um, Rapert speak for it. Rapert was actually um, not there. No, he was there. He was doing the. Um, he he was sitting in for the um, lieutenant governor as the. Um, oh, as the speaker or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah, he was he was running the show. Okay, so he was um, sitting up there with the gavel. Right. Okay. Yeah, he was up there. Um, so he didn't speak for or against it. I don't guess. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I'm sure he that Gary it, would have voted. Uh, very yeah. Well, he's the sponsor, so he yeah, for sure. I'm just saying, I'm sure that he right, right, yeah, he, he definitely spoke for it. I'm trying to think who else actually um, commented on it. The Ballinger, Ballinger did not comment on it. Okay, um, Hammer. Um, I don't believe Hammer did either. Um, there's um, Senator um, Chesterfield spoke against it, I believe. And um, why does this not surprise me that Democrats were speaking against something that would would solidify our Constitution even more so? Well, uh, maybe it's because like Chesterfield actually was concerned about limiting the power of government, which was interesting. She actually came out and said it. Um, she was opposed to eliminating the power of government, apparently. Well, of course. Which was which was kind of, of course in- she's against that. Which was, she's a but, Democrat. But it was kind of interesting the way she was. The context in which she she said it was because she was saying that in the past, her people were harmed, or people, I'm assuming she was talking about black people, were violated because of the limited power of government. But I, I'm thinking that the reality was that in many cases, it was the government that had too much power that was harming black people. And today, that's still still the facts, I, I think, in many cases. that How bizarre is it? She that, knows not what she speaks. You know, anytime but, you pull the race card... 
you lose your credibility. I mean, if you can't, if you can't find something substantive, more substantive than that, and, and that's, most of the time when people pull the race card, it really has nothing to do with race. And, uh, and oftentimes, I, th- I think a lot of times there, there are racial elements to some of these issues, um, but but the solutions are not racial solutions. The solutions are human rights solutions, and I think that's that's the, the approach we need to take with it. You know, if we've got a bunch of black people that are being murdered by government officials, the solution is to let's let's implement human rights solutions and not black right solutions, not not you know not what, racial solutions. Let's have actual human rights solutions. You know, if you have a problem in business or if you have a problem anywhere, you always look at a, a solution that's a broad enough solution that will fit. That it's the same for everyone across the board. So. You know, no matter who you are, on everybody on, on principles and policies to where everybody's treated the same. And Which is why I had a problem with the whole Black Lives Matters movement. Right. I understand what they were trying to do, but the problem is, is anytime you put race in front of, of something, whether it's white, black, whatever, uh, you marginalize the meaning behind the group. I think that all lives matter. All human lives matter. So, you know, why not? Well, and, and, we're and, all Americans. And, and so, part That's of, right. so part of the problem is what we end up doing is we try to we try to address issues from the wrong perspective. And so, well, maybe we should have enhanced penalties for killing a black person. Well, maybe we should just have consistent penalties for killing people. I mean, let, let's have let's have real substantive accountability as opposed to well, you know, we've the, we've given prosecutors the power to to use their discretion in, in how they want to prosecute people, and so therefore we do have some major disparities sometimes in in how people are punished and held accountable. Maybe we need to 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 reassess how we're allowing government officials to show favoritism and actually show have, have greater accountability where we can actually hold people accountable equally mm-hmm. in, instead of allowing government officials to play favorites. So what are you guys thinking about the whole Convention of States legislation? Do you think it's going to pass in Arkansas? Yes. You do? Yes. Now, see, Dave, this is a really interesting place for you and I to be because you're a Convention of States kind of guy, right? Yeah. You like, yeah, okay. And I am not. Uh, and my reasoning is because I, I worry about a runaway convention. But I also worry about where we are right now in America. And it, it's like, is this the only solution, the only way out? So... You know, for people out there who feel like I do, who say, well, but, you know, how are you going to control it? If you can't control the government you have now, how are you going to control that convention? Well, I wish I had former Senator Tom Coburn here today. <laughs> uh, he was with us last week, and uh, he explained all of that. There's all kinds well, of rules to keep it from running I know rampant. I've been, I've been yeah, studying it for months now, and I just, you know. You know, I did a lot of research on that, and I actually did some speaking for the conventions of the states. And I've done some, I did some research on it, and the, our forefathers put it in the Constitution for a reason. Right. And the reason could come up to where we needed it, to where we do have a runaway, runaway federal government, and the states can get together and rein it back in control. But I don't know if it's time for it yet. And when I look at the delegates in the states that we would send, if we called one, I looked at the people in the states that we would send and who would pick the people in the states we would send. And they weren't conservative enough at this point for me, for my liking. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for the convention of the states. But in my opinion, 
we're not there. They've not taken enough of our rights yet, and I don't feel comfortable enough about our state well, elected officials. I don't officials. want to wait until they're taking enough of our rights. Yeah, where is that line? Yeah. I'm wondering yeah. where is that well, line? Well, they, At what point are they, we are we there yet? Because you know, our founding our fathers would have yeah, been shooting yeah, by now. Our founding good. fathers <laughs> would have been shooting by now. You know that taxation without representation on the state level as well as the federal level. Our founding fathers would be turning over in their graves if they could see what's going on in this amazing country, and this with this. Public that they gave us, uh, and I, I'm just thinking if we you know, can keep it. If we can keep it, Which well, we and, and they gave we us couldn't. a way to keep it in case but, this very but. thing happened. But isn't it amazing when you think about how long ago they came up with all of this to to know that they had the foresight to say, you know, man is going to be man. And man is, is, has a sin nature, and eventually greed is going to take over, and government is going to become corrupt. So we need to give the people an out. And so they gave us Article 5. Right. And so really, I think that, you know, at what point? Because you've got so many citizens in America now totally disengaging from the process. We right. saw that in Arkansas, but they're they're not voting anymore. They don't they don't think they have any choice about our government anymore. They think that their vote doesn't matter. They're mad, and they're just totally pulling away. I mean, what 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 else is what's going to be left at some point? You, well, at this point, a small business can at this point pay the cost of government and make a living in some in barely. some cases barely yeah, so, uh, but at some point the overhead is going to be too much the overhead is growing every year you know DHS in Arkansas has grown 125 million dollars a year you know for as long as I've been watching it DHS is out of control state spending on health care is out of control so at some point it's going to be where we can't do it honestly and make a living and provide for our families and at some point i think they're going to come for our guns when it comes to either one of those points you know i think well, well, I, I think I, it'll be time i i think i, I think we, we've crossed the line but the, the and i'm not terribly comfortable with the convention of states i'm not really to the point where i think it would be a runaway convention although i think it's a, a, maybe a possibility uh, my my bigger concern is, is is more i suppose that i'm not convinced that we've got enough Good people that could be elected as as delegates, and and so that, that concerns me. I mean, in the state of Arkansas, we don't we don't have just really strong men as the, the leaders in our Senate or the um, House of Representatives. I'm seeing <laughs> Dave's over here making fun of me. And, um, I'm a strong man. They put me on that committee. I guarantee uh, you that it'd be conservative. And and, that, and that's the thing is that there's 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 few people here like some of the people mm-hmm. that are supporting this convention of states that I wouldn't be very afraid of the convention at all if if those were the men that were being um, sent as delegates. Uh, but I'm afraid they're going to be um, people that are that are um, less upright. Well, they want to take well, over our health care. Let's put here's the thing. It's it's all a bunch of ifs. Okay? There's there's sure bad things that can happen, there's great things that can happen. That's why Article five is not to be taken lightly. However, if we wait till they get ready to come and take our guns, uh, I I worry that there'll be no fighting back at that time anyway. Uh, so I'd much rather do it before we come to that. I think we need now. I mean, Mason and some of the other founders uh, all believed that uh, it was done to stop totalitarianism. And if anybody wants to call up and wants to argue 
are we getting to a totalitarian <laughs> state here in, yes. in the United States? I'll, I'll argue, yes, we are. In yes. fact, the, fa- so. the founding fathers would be so upset with the way the government uh, uses its power now. I mean, well, there's so many areas. Jeff- Jefferson would say, now's the time to sprinkle the blood of, of uh, you know, of patriots uh, over the tree of freedom. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm beginning to believe that. You know, I said we watch for a government that's able to give every give you everything you want because you know basically they'll be able to take everything you have. That's what Jefferson said. But, but there's there's two different there's two different ways that people misuse the word as conservative. Now, some of the people in Arkansas, I think, uh, are not conservative enough when it comes to fiscal, when it comes to financial things. Mm-hmm. The, you know, they look at the money that comes in from the federal government as as uh, gift money that helps support the state and say well if we didn't get all this federal money so with all this federal money that the state has taken we lose rights we lose our school system by by taking money for our schools we can't control what's being taught in our schools you know we can't control our speed limit because we're getting road money but every time you take money you lose freedom to you and uh, I, I think it's time we're gonna have to be physical responsible because uh, I tell teenagers, you know, if you want to make your own decisions and have the freedom to make all your own choices, you just need to be financially stable to support yourself, and you can be financially free. So that's what worries me. We're addicted to the money, and uh, right. I'm afraid they'll want more money instead of less money. Right. So, so I think with the Convention of States thing, it's it's not something that scares me a great deal. I'm I'm not exactly for it, but I'm not I'm not opposed to it in, in a in a harsh way in any way. And so I, I, I'm. I still like a lot of the people that are supporting the Convention of States, and I think we're pretty much on the same side. We have some slightly different strategies in that regard. And so in, in many cases, uh, we're still on the same side. I, I ate lunch with um, Randy Alexander. The, this Good man. For lunch. Oh, and yeah, so he, great he's, man. He's one of the biggest advocates for it in the state, and we're, we're friends, and we're, we're on the same side of many of the issues that are, people are concerned about with this Convention of States. But our strategy is slightly different. His, his is maybe a little bit more of a uh, um, frontal assault. And I'm, my, my approach is maybe perhaps a little closer to a, um, a flanking maneuver. And both, are, both can be effective. And, and, and I'm, I'm not wanting to just totally poo-poo his, his approach, because I, th- I think it might actually be effective in my work. So how many states have passed the Convention of States, have, have agreed to, to um, participate in the Convention of States? It's not, it's I, believe not it's, I believe it's 13 at this time. And how many are needed? Isn't it 35? Yes, you have to have 35. 35. That's why it, I look That's at it good. and don't worry about all the crazy stuff people are saying that they're going to have a runaway convention and all that. Here's the key. Even if they pass something at the convention... Uh, you still have to pass it just like you would any other amendment, which mm-hmm. is 35 states have to vote Six. for it. Right. Pretty high bar. Well, we've it's, got a yeah, lot of people on Facebook joining us right now from all over the country. Some of them live in those states that have already passed Convention of States, so I'm sure there are people on both sides of the fence. Because, mm-hmm. as you know, even conservatives have mixed feelings about it. The, yep. A lot of the guys that I'm very good friends with, Gary Stubblefield, uh, Senator Stubblefield, some of the most conservative legislators I know. He's on it. I know he is. I know he is. He and I, I haven't had the conversation with him yet, but I know he's very uh, strongly supporting it. And yes, so, he is. Yeah. 
So He's one of the people that sat down and talked with me and convinced me of a few things, you know, and just need to hear about it. Now, you could only pass yeah. the convention for one reason. It's not like you you, you can open up a can of the whole Constitution. It doesn't work the whole Constitution. It's just the one point. Well, the the one point the, is that you yeah. have to rein in the – they have to be fiscally responsible. Well, and, they and have to, to, to live within a budget, right? And, and that's not actually established. That's that's some speculation on some people's parts. Some people say, that, well, we can we can set rules for – how far it can go, and and then they can, and the, the individual states can tell their delegates. Well, if it goes to this other issue, you have to come home. You're not allowed to vote on that That's issue. Exactly, right. and that may be true. However, the other states that didn't set those parameters for their delegates, I, I don't know if there's any argument that those delegates have any um, have any have any responsibility to to choose not to support those things. And so I don't know where that could go from there, and and it depends on how the rules are set up mm-hmm. because you you have. Um, various different ways of dealing with with how do you pass laws. I've seen laws pass out of committees here where there's not even a um, a quorum in the committees, and they pass them anyway. Right. And if there's no one there to challenge it, what do you do? All right. Let's get a break. Got to do that. Stay with us on Facebook, Facebook Live. It's facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. You can watch what you're listening to. Uh, If you're in a car... Please don't go to Facebook Live. Uh, just listen on your radio and keep your eyes on the road. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show, live from the Capitol, third floor, house side. Back, talk more when we return. All right, third floor on the uh, the house side here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're covering the, the session on things going. And they'll let anybody come into the state camp. <laughs> How goes it, brother? Come on up and you can share the mic there with RD. Sure, sure, sure. Get the people in here and everybody can come around and be part of this. So we're glad to have you with us today. As you know, the Dave Ellswick Show during the uh, the session, the general uh, uh, session here, this is the 92nd one. I haven't been to all 92, but I've been to the last 13. So You're uh, old, but not that old. Yeah, huh? it's the only, we're the only radio station that comes and broadcasts live from the session while it's going on. Because I think you need to know what your representatives and senators are uh, going. I'm, we got people from New England and... Yeah, Arizona and, and everywhere else listening and, because and all Facebook over the place. Page. Yeah, from your Facebook page, <laughs> yeah. uh, checking in with us. Got a lot of uh, normal folks from here in Arkansas as well, and we're glad that you're with us. You can make your, uh, you know, post right there on FacebookLive.com. Your comments in the comment section. Feel free, and then everybody can read everybody else's. The reason people saying. around the country are interested, I think, Dave, is because many of the issues By the that way, we're battling here. Somebody just here, said you're beautiful. Oh, uh, thank I you. I know it wasn't for me. <laughs> you know, because the issues that we're talking about here are happening in capitals across America: the stand your ground law, the uh, red flag law, uh, the, con- the convention of states issue. I mean, all of these are things that are happening nationally, and. Uh, so, as well as the attacks that the Democrats are making nationally on our liberty, all the things they're trying to do. So, people watching what's happening at our state capitol is simply preparing them for how to handle things at their capital as well, I think. Well, here, here's the interesting thing is that the three people that Paul said he knew for a fact spoke out were all state Democrats. And all of them said the same reason. It limits the power of the government. 
That's what they don't want. They want the government to be the be-all, end-all. Right. The answer to every problem. Yes, absolutely. And, and don't we know that's worked out really well? Right. <laughs> True. What do you, did you just use the mic there? What, what, do you, what are you hearing, sir? Oh, no. We're talking about convention of states. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, do you think it's going to pass in Arkansas? We it just passed the House. It passed the yeah. Senate. So. Passed the Senate. Senate. Um, you know, it was close. Um, I hear it's close in the House, but um, I think... But they I did say all the Republicans voted for it. Um, I, in I don't the think Senate, in the no. Senate they did. No, no, no. I think no. maybe Who all voted against. I, I think maybe all well, the votes. I have the rope. The, 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 okay. He's yeah. got the rope. The picture yeah. of the vote here. I, I think. Oh, 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 right. I think I love. We're, all the votes were Republicans, but not all the Republicans voted in that. In that row. Right. Um, so you want, to, you want me to name the Republicans who yeah. didn't vote for who, it? Who didn't okay, vote? Okay, we got uh, Senator Jane English. She's a Republican. Uh, Matthew yeah. Pitch. Okay. Bill Sample and James Sturch. These okay. are the ones who voted so, against it or for wait it? Wait a second. Let no. me just stop right here and say the names that you mentioned, I have to say, are Republican in name only. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. So did they, did they vote no or just, did they just not English. vote? Those are the ones that voted no. Voted no. Okay. Yeah. Come can, on. Let's be honest you know, here. You can pretty well say if Sturch voted against it, that pretty well tells you where the governor stands. No, governor's for it. You don't have any problem with it. Okay. The governor's for convention of states? Yeah, you don't have any problem with it. I don't know. He, he I've never any, seen him comment on that. He doesn't so. get any say in it either, All I don't right. think, does he? Let's take a break. i got to get to the news. We'll come back and pick that so. up when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. I'm with you. I'm not leaving. I'll be here at 6 o'clock. Uh, don't forget, uh, the uh, power panel will be here until 5. 5 o'clock, the Bible guys show up. I know that... Um, the gentleman who is the sponsor behind the Stand Your Ground legislation, Representative Pilkington, Pilkington, Representative Pilkington, is going to join us sometime before five o'clock. He Good didn't deal. know when, but he'll be stopping by. I talked to him, and you said that uh, who else is coming? I, I'm, I'm hoping Senator Hester will come by. He he was um, he sponsored a bill that will um, hopefully give us some economic liberty in regards to how we build houses because because there's some. Getting to be kind of some problems. Well, there's some serious problems with with how cities will tell people how they're allowed to build houses, and it's looking like it's maybe going to get worse because they're basically making it illegal for people to be poor by making it so that people can't build more modest homes. All right. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I, Something I, to talk about. Yeah, I like it. I like what he's. It was interesting. They actually did a kind of a partial hearing on it this morning. Um, it wasn't on the agenda, so they didn't officially run it this morning. But they did sort of a hearing on it, and. Um, and so it was interesting hearing some of the other, um, at least one of the other, other senators, Senator, um, oh, what is her name? The uh, gal from Pine Bluff. Senator um, Flowers. Senator Flowers. She was, she was asking some, and she actually kind of came away kind of liking the bill, I think, because that's, that's kind of a problem with um, especially some people in the black community, I think, is that, that affordable housing can be a problem um, when government, especially cities, come along and say that and put all kinds of regulations up that make it so you can't build affordable homes and, I, I, and I, so I actually testified on it this morning in favor of it and um, so I would like to be allowed to build does it mean I can't build my future tiny home well in some places it might be illegal and so the and so this would perhaps help with some of that or this type of legislation I think could help with some of that and I actually testified about that specific issue I would I would like to to be able to build some tiny homes in Conway, um, 
without having the city breathing down my neck on every turn. And but the, the fact is, the red tape and, and and whatnot is basically the primary reason why I don't. What, what I should, am excited to see what Republicans are doing. I think we've seen what three bills now that um, reduce the licensing requirements. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know I talked about that all last year. We our, our licensing requirements are keeping small businesses from being able to sure. do business. And and the best way to grow the economy is to get the government out of the way. Right. And licensing it's, requirements. I think we need we need to look at them as not safety measures but human rights violations. But that's how people do see right, it as we the do. safety thing. Right. But, and, and I think that if we look at the actual evidence. Is there any evidence at all that people are actually, uh, on a ho- as a whole, safer, or, or are these regulations actually causing us to be less safe by maybe people deciding, you know what, it's so expensive to have this, this repair done to my house or, or maybe something else done that I'm just not going to get it done, and then right. it's become, we become less safe because things are so expensive, or maybe maybe like in the medical industry, some procedure is so expensive because there's not enough competition. And so we just choose not to have it done, and we die instead. And and so we, we need markets. We need free markets just just for a justice standpoint. And sometimes it's it, it can affect safety as well because we choose not to, to seek some types of care or, or, or fix certain things maybe on our home because it's so expensive or, or it's just hardly available. Yeah. The Institute for Justice actually puts a report out on occupational licensing. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas ranks, I think, six worst in Pretty the bad. country. Six most burdensome in occupational licensing. Are we ranking that's an high in anything rank. anymore? I mean, are we are we up Taxes? there in the top? No, yeah, we're 46 <laughs> now. We've dropped from 43rd. We're now 46. We're number in the one in the worst FOIA. tax state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are number one in FOIA. Number we may be number one here in the in the near future of being um, free of freedom of speech. We're working on that one. Yeah, a lot of times this is done by capital. You know what I call uh, cronyism, because why? So you you have a record board. Okay, we're going to have a state record board, and the state record board is going to have to say you have to have this kind of licensing. You have to have this kind of wrecker. The wrecker has to have this kind of winch on it. Mm-hmm. And they make all these pl- all of these hurdles that the common guy can't jump. Can't compete. Can't right. compete. Can't compete. And that's the reason I was against the tire bill last year because you had to have a computer at your business. You had to have a, a state website password to get in the website. The person had to be trained to run the website. Your truck had to be certified to haul tires. And whenever I see this stuff, what I see is big corporations and big tire companies putting all the little guys out of business and they'll come to the state of arkansas and call it green recycling Mm. or they'll call it safety or they'll call it something like that when usually when you get to the heart of it it's a big business trying to put little business out and, and eliminate the competition it's capital cronyism and whenever we say we ranked in the sixth place i say we're one of the top capital crony states you know in the country that's the way I look at it. Well, just remember, as government grows, freedom will diminish. That's right. Always. Always. And thankfully, you know, there are some bills this session, though, like Jan was talking about, um, that are going to repeal licensures and expand the scope of practice. We'll see where those go, but they've at least been filed. And, you know, we're not 
not no longer heading in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. I would say. Right. But we're looking to head in the right direction. We've been direction, pounding hopefully. on that for what, several right. years now. And I know uh, Conduit has been pounding on it a long, longer than I have, just limited government, limited government. And a lot of people out there don't really understand why that's a big issue, but it's a huge issue because the Democrats want to grow government. Republicans are supposed to want to shrink government because the government that governs best is the government that governs least. And because- so. Freedom exists when you have less government. And, you know, our founding fathers never intended. I think that we don't teach this in schools anymore. Our public school kids are not getting this message. Our founding fathers never intended the government to control every aspect of our lives. The government was supposed to be there as minimally as possible. And and now, instead of yearning for that kind of liberty, I think that our, our kids are growing up in a climate of dependency and enslavement. And the government is the answer to everything. And the Socialism. government's got to solve all of our problems. Well, that's why we have Ocasio-Cortez. And I, I just cringe. I cringe when I watch the people clapping for her when she starts talking so freely about socialism. Capitalist bad, socialism good. That seems like what they're teaching in that's what hurts. That's, uh, can, can you imagine what would have happened if a Republican, if a conservative had made this statement that uh, climate, that global warming is going to be the next uh, World War II? It's going to be World War II? As if, uh, where did she go to school? If a Republican had said Boston that, they would University. not be able to exist. But people, it's like the Democrats completely ignore these kinds of blunders and maybe, raise her up. Maybe it's because there are so many cases they're combining philosophy with science and they're and you, if you have a broken moral compass your moral philosophy is liable to be off and if you're combining your philosophy with science then you're liable to come up with all kinds of nonsense well, well I don't have a solution this, for anyone though. listening right now just real quick the solution chris ann hall a constitutional lawyer is coming to Arkansas, and she's going to do a tour of Arkansas. And this is a time for me to plug that, because if your kids are not getting the Constitution at school, if your family needs a good dose of Constitution and Bill of Rights, and to understand why that is so critical to restoring our constitutional republic, she's going to be traveling all over this state. She's going to be in Hot Springs, I believe the 23rd and 24th, uh, speaking. And, and uh, if you go to the Arkansas Liberty Coalition, yes, okay. Arkansas Liberty Coalition uh, Facebook page, they post they posted her schedule and she will be in your area of the state at some point in february and i really you you should listen to the woman speak i'm okay, hoping that so we she'll, can get her she'll on speak here. on the 13 page constitution and not on the 10,000 <laughs> 10, page, page constitution, constitution. and yes. if you don't know what i'm talking about read up about the 10,000 right, page constitution because it says constitution yeah, it was, of the united it, states it was, on the side of it who, 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 what was the guy's name it was um Mark Meckler. Meckler. He came on and talked to us about it. And, and the, so the, we've got this kind of fictional idea among attorneys, sorry, Josh, that um, th- they think that the precedent, precedent set by, all by, is part by, of the Constitution by the, um, now. By the Supreme yeah. Court, especially, and other, and other higher courts. They rewrite it every day. Is, is part of the actual Constitution, which is hogwash. It's just, his, it's just a history. We can read it, and it, history is valuable to learn from. But it isn't actual law, and no judges um, have an obligation or duty to follow that precedent when it violates the Constitution. The Constitution is the law, and that's those 13, 14, 15 pages, whichever format you kind of get it in, the U.S. Constitution. That's the law. That's the law, not not the precedent. The precedent is not the law. These, These judges that think they have to uphold Roe v. Wade, they're wrong. They don't have to. In fact... 
the state of Arkansas should be impeaching judges like that. Well, yeah. you know that America is in trouble when our colleges and universities, those places where people are supposed to have a healthy exchange of ideas and philosophies, when in those places we're having to have free speech zones, safe <laughs> spaces where you can speak freely, and this is the only place that you can speak freely and say something that might we're be offensive. We're going to stop that. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, that's going to stop in the marble halls of Capitol right here in this Arkansas. year. Okay, it's going to right. stop. Going to hold you to the whole that thing day. about uh, you know uh, you know freedom of expression can only be in this small little area. That's such crap, folks. You want to know where the, yeah. you know where the free speech zone in America is? From the east coast to the west coast, from that's the right. northern border to the southern border. That's all. A freedom of speech zone. If it's public property. It's called the First Amendment. Right. If if it's public property and I have a right to be there, I'm sorry. Government agents, whether they be school officials or otherwise, shouldn't have any right to come along and tell me, you know, you can't pass out those flyers here because it might hurt someone's feelings. And we don't like your political philosophy or your religious philosophy or something of that nature. So long as I'm not passing out defamatory or slanderous... um, Information. I guess if it was, if it was on a, in paper, that would be um, libel. Libel, wouldn't it? And so, but as long as it's it's truthful information or my opinion, perhaps the government should leave me alone. I mean, we're talking about free speech, and it shouldn't be in the purview. It shouldn't even be part of their authority. And Dave, one really good thing about um, Representative Hammer's bill is that it you know these speakers that come to college campuses they try to shut them down right mm-hmm. they try to shut down Ben Shapiro say it's a security risk and there's specific language that addresses that That's right. where they can't say oh well it's a security risk let's just shut down all conservative speakers so i need to i got to blow my own horn on this all right cuz robert typically when he's on is the one who talks about it. uh all that most of that language that's in that bill came from me nice all right the way that they try to shut you up on college campuses now is that if they think there's going to be a problem, that the Antifa folks you're going to are, hurt are going to show up. Well, no, not, not even if you're going to hurt, they'll say Antifa is going to show up and, and they're going to get violent. So if they're going to get violent, then if Mr. Shapiro comes, he's got to have X amount of security guards with mm-hmm. him. He's got to have X amount of security at the event, and he's required to pay for it. So, Not the other side. He's required to pay if, for if it. So they try to shut you down that way. They'll shout you down, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they'll, they'll talk about that as well. Uh, there's, a, there's a myriad of ways they're trying to do this. Look, I fought for, I've been fighting for freedom of speech since 1969. All right? I got started in the free speech movement. At that time, I was fighting the right it was the right that was limiting free speech, and we got that taken care of. But now it's the left to, and, and that's trying to, to do it. To, to Josh's point. Because you're afraid of freedom of speech. Right, to, to your point and Josh's point about them wanting to require these somewhat conser- these conservative speakers to pay for all this extra security. You know, if there's a bunch of evil people in Arkansas that are about to attack Shapiro because of what he says... Maybe the state police should be showing up and getting ready to arrest these people. I mean, I mean I'm serious. If, if these people are running around Arkansas, they should look at this as, as an opportunity to round them up. You well, know, reading because it, they're dangerous me. thugs. Go ahead. 
But reading that bill, it looks like it should be a bipartisan bill across the board. You would think so. If, if you read that bill, you know, usually you read a bill that say, well, this is for gun rights or, right. or, or this is for freedom of health care. This is a First Amendment or, bill. This is a First Amendment bill. I read that bill, and I couldn't see it leaning either left or right. It looks like it was right because down the center. That's right, because freedom of speech is freedom of speech. Regardless it of protects what everybody. That's exactly but, right. You know, here on, on a much larger <laughs> scale, because I know we've got a lot of Facebook people uh, watching us, joining us from all over America. Not only are we battling this in Arkansas, you're battling it all in states across oh, America, but also, I was watching the national news before I came up here today, and on a larger scale, they were talking about the censorship, that's, which is another uh, assault on free speech, yep. by Google and you know the large social media outlets. And I, I did a search, and it was funny, when they were talking about this today, last night I was trying to look for some specific issues that were conservative in nature, that were very controversial uh, related to gun rights. And as I did my search, they hid, and I'm telling you, it was hard to find anything from the NRA, from Gun Owners of America. You had to specifically type in NRA. If you talk, if you typed in Stand Your Ground, the only thing that they brought opposition. up was all the opposition mm, stories and the side. So if you were a well. student in school doing a research paper and you had to decide which side you're on, you're looking at this going, man... There's nothing positive about well, that's, this that's unless you know to type that in. And you know that is censorship happening. But if you're a free market enterprise kind of guy, like I'm a free market enterprise kind of girl, then I have this thing about us telling Google, well, you have to do this and you can't do that. You know, okay, what they need is some competition. Well, that's exactly what uh, is going on is what you just said. Google admits to doing it. That right. They're, that they use well, they have a their, algor- yeah, their so algorithm. Why don't, why don't we have some competition here? We need a conservative to get out there and the, start there. The sad part is, is, is a lot of times our schools are the same way that the schools are, are slanting what they're teaching the children. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we need to make sure that both sides are taught. I believe that any school that teach that teaches the Big Bang Theory or teaches evolution should teach creation should to go to along with sides. it. Well, we should have both. We should have. School. You should have both sides. But anytime you go somewhere and they say this is the opinion or this is scientific, and they don't offer the other side, that's not free speech and that's not fair. Well, so and, and we I, need to be involved in our schools. And I know Paul says, "Well, just do away with public schools," but well, there's, we there's, just have to move in the direction where parents have options. All right, got to take a break. All right, then, Paul, I. I'm writing you on my phone here to make sure I go to you first. Okay, sounds good. All right, Dave Ellswick Show, third floor, house side of the Capitol. I'm being joined today by just about anybody who's walking by. You can sit down and be. I even let lawyers be on my show. And that's an amazing thing, isn't it? No, Josh. Even we, like, we love you being at, Yeah. Boy, you got to really push it hard for me. Anyway, let's take a look here. Let me remind you that uh, learn the little-known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis from David Lucas at David Lucas Financial. He's the host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. David's a published author. He's right here in Little Rock, and this free analysis will reveal the little-known strategies and loopholes that could uh, help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. So to get your free analysis, be one of the first 10 callers now at 501-653-6690. It's your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. 
The final uh, segment of this hour is up when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, from the State Capitol Live, the Dave Ellswick Show, let's uh, let uh, Paul speak because we do believe in freedom of speech. Paul Harrell is here. Yes, he is. What's up, Paul? All right, so anyway, let's uh, have you say what you had to say. This is Paul Calvert, not Paul Harrell. But anyway, yes. So so, um, R.D. was talking about if public schools are teaching the Big Bang Theory, then we should have equal time for creationism. But I, I, I kind of disagree with that. The Big Bang Theory is kind of a fairy tale, and that's probably being generous with it. And so this this kind of Darwinism idea of the, the, the origin of life in general coming from nothing, essentially. And, Primal ooze. And I'm sorry, that's just like fairy taleism, and I don't want the government teaching that at all because it's garbage. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to get it out of the schools. But it, it, you, they don't speak creation. They don't no, teach they, that they don't. at all. And I, I don't know that I want. So I'm them just talking to teach, about a step in the I right direction. That they, I want government to teach creation because they'll, they'll they'll probably get it as bad or worse than they got. Well, you can evolution. teach there is a source of authority for values and right and wrong. Right, and they're, unfortunately, they're, they're liable to <laughs> actually establish that as the, the source of authority being the government. Oh, boy. Oh, we're in trouble. No, I mean, yeah. that, if they teach I mean, that, we're really in trouble. But that's what they're teaching. I know that's what they're teaching. I'm just saying we need equal time. If you're going to have freedom of speech, <laughs> and that's what we're talking about today, let's get a freedom of speech in our schools, and let's teach two sides of that coin. Hey, I've, I've thought about going in and offering <laughs> to teach classes for free for, for some types of things. I think that's but, illegal. Oh, is that what it is? He's not licensed. They oh. have to pay you. <laughs> oh. They have to pay you. That, wow. That's a that's a true story. Really? Got to pay you, even if you want to do it for free. Hmm. Ten cents an hour. I that's have, what he's minimum penny, <laughs> penny, penny for your thoughts. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's take a break. Uh, we got to get the news that's coming up. After we do that, we'll come back and uh, spend some more time here on the third floor. Uh, we've got some uh, guests coming up. I don't know exactly what time. Stick around. They'll be here. We'll talk about the Stand Your Ground legislation today before we get to 5 o'clock. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got R.D. here, Paul's here, Jan's here, everybody's here today for the Dave Ellswick Show, and we'll have more for you in just a few moments. All right, we're back. Paul, don't worry about it. You'll hear me. Okay. Can you hear me, Paul? I can hear you. I can hear you, yes. Paul Harrell joins us. You hear him every morning here on uh, 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer, at 6 o'clock up until 8 a.m. and uh, Bright and early. I just saw him yeah, running around, so I said, come on. Hey, well, I appreciate the invitation, as always. Now, Paul, when you talk about the Constitution, do you talk about the 13-page Constitution or the 10,000-page Constitution? Well, I think generally uh, smaller is better, so probably the, the 13 page. You'd fall asleep during the 10,000 page. Yeah, yeah, I'm just definitely. saying that would, that would happen because, you know, a lot of people believe that, you know, any kind of ruling that they've made on the Constitution makes it part of the Constitution. There are right. people who believe that. Yeah. I think they're full of yeah, so crap. Ju- so, like, I think for the most part, Jurisprudence is my least favorite word in the English language. No, that's good. I like <laughs> well, and, that. And, that and, you can and, even and, say it. Okay. Is a, well, and, and the thing is, we don't good. we don't need to just totally discount history 
of the courts, which is that's what precedent is. It doesn't is. make it law. It doesn't make it law. That's exactly right. It, it's history. History is valuable to, to, to read and study. Except and, if it's going back to the history of the original founders, and then we, discon- we just completely disconnect Because that. that's <laughs> offensive to today's society. That's See, true. The majority of the Democrats, that is offensive. Anything related to the founders. How, about, how many statues have we wiped out now across America of our founding I, I, fathers? I, now our, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, we're but, losing but, our history. But the fact is, we, we, this 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 god of precedent worship has has resulted in about 60 million dead babies remember and this this idea is is destructive remember i object to using the word god in that yeah <laughs> in that remember phrase. what orwell said little, little g. he who writes yeah history my favorite the future. Uh, amendment is the 10th amendment that got i mean the 10th amendment should rule out all the rest of those most of those that you're talking about if if we actually live by the 10th amendment government would not be overseeing every aspect of our lives that's true but like i said those who write history write the future I mean, that's not mine. That's Orwell's, okay? But he was... That's powerful. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. So based on the history books, conservatives have lost a lot of battles. Yeah. Well, that depends on yeah, which history books you read. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Maybe almost all the all the history. Which I challenge parents out there going. right now, if your child is in public school, seriously, Why? in all seriousness here, you really should take a look at their homework. Look at what their history books are saying, because I think you're going to be shocked. And then if you see untruths, and they are there, you need to go to the school board and you need to pitch a fit about the... Now wait, now wait a second. You've gone too far. (laughs) You want me to give up my TV time to watch uh, the Cardinals or the Cubs or whatever to actually go out and teach my child some truth, and even more so, you want me to go and take on the school board. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, they don't have books I'm anymore. I'm all about it. Kids yep. do not bring their books home anymore, so I put my kids in the K-12 to see what uh, kept them at home and use the curriculum that they're using in the schools to see what they were teaching them, and it was scary. After seeing that, I took them out of that, and went the K-12, and went totally, you know, private schools for several years, but... There needs to be a bill passed that whatever curriculum is being electronically taught to our children, that the parents have the access to it so they can review what their children are being taught. So that's a freedom that we need one of these legislatures to address. I agree. I can yeah, bring I can. that up. Yeah, that, that should be a FOIA, a FOIA issue. We should be able to, to FOIA any type of um, yes. information that children yes, are you being, can. being fed in schools. So what's the big uh, issue going on with you, sir? Well, I'll just add, add to that. Uh, uh, well, I think one of the reasons a lot of the modern-day history books are wrong is because they're based on um, older books, mainly in the 20s or 30s, that were unsourced, where they made up lies about George Washington and, and that sort of thing, but they're not sourced. But once the book is, is written, it's unchallenged. No, no, then it you have another book that cites the first book, and this this process continued. We see this now uh, going on modern day in these uh, peer-reviewed scientific journals, uh, sociological journals, those those types of things. There's actually a couple of guys, uh, one at a university who's now being disciplined by his university um, for doing this, um, where they were submitting fake, um, you know, fake articles or fake uh, uh, information. Uh, information to try to get published. They did like twenty. They got seven approved. Wow. You know, which is like the height. You know, to get. And they figured out that if they were to use the right buzzwords. Um, they could basically get these journals to accept any idea. One was the, that we need to train men like dogs. They actually rewrote one of a chapter from Mein Kampf 
uh, Hitler's book, they rewrote the chapter and, and, and you know, just kind of reworded everything. It was based on feminism, oh. and it got published. So and so then the, the, what happens is then you have the professors at these institutions that will send the students homework. Their homework is to look at these peer-reviewed scientific journals. They read it, and they think, oh, well, this it's fact, fact. Right. because it's in this wow. thing. And so that's, what, that's how it's happening. So these guys were doing some hardcore trolling. They were. They were doing hardcore trolling, but, I mean, it's it's really fascinating. I mean, some of the stuff that they wrote about, um, I can't mention on radio, yeah. but because but, but it, you should look so it so up. The, the thing fun. is, though, that this, this idea of peer review is sort of like a, a, sort of like a, a popularity contest slash, slash pageant where they, if they can convince these other guys in, in, in fancy buildings to just say, well, this is a good idea, then it becomes a good idea, apparently, yeah. as opposed to... Why don't we actually have real free markets and and let people decide what they want? Because that's not peer review. Run them up. <laughs> because these people might not be able to have jobs. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it's not peer review. Perhaps. Did you see the legislation that's coming out in New York where they are censoring conversations now between psychologists and their patients? Did you see that? A lawsuit has been filed now because in, in the state of New York, uh, legislators the ones who are supporting this legislation, they don't want you. You can you can talk to your patient if your patient is uh, accepting of gender issues. Reassignment. Right, gender reassignment. As long as your conversation as a psychologist is not helping someone who's having trouble with the fact that they're wanting, they're not wanting to accept the, they're wanting to to stay biologically in line with who they are biologically, and they're they're troubled over it. You're not allowed to talk to them about that. Help me, I think there's something wrong with me. You're not allowed to do that. You're right. not allowed to act like there's something wrong with you. You're 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 allowed you're supposed to encourage them to seek out that and and but you can't encourage them to seek out, you know, just staying with your maleness if you were so, born so, a male. Right, right. And so so instead, you know, I, I think I've got a problem with wetting the bed. Well, you need to go ahead and keep wetting the bed because yeah. that's, that's just a natural That's just thing. who you are. As opposed to, no, you, you, I think you do have a problem with wetting the bed. How, let me see how I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. This is this is a problem when we're attempting to normalize psychotic behavior, morally reprobate behavior in some cases. This is the inmates have gotten the keys, and they they're starting to lock up the good people. That's just because that is your truth. Oh, <laughs> right. There's no okay. S- we're going back to my thing. There's no source of authority right. for right and wrong. There's no source of authority, and, and there's no place to go to find because the source right of authority. And right and wrong. Not it offends you. It's all That's about exactly offensiveness. Right. Yeah, I'll talk to my feel. Yeah, they ought to talk to my wife about that. (laughs) Someone asked me on Facebook yesterday, how do you feel about the Arkansas Times labeling you Yosemite Samantha? Samantha. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, well, you know, that's one of the nicer things they've called me, actually. That's a a good one. It's one of the nicer ones, yeah. And and if I was offended over name-calling, I would have already been in a fetal position curled up under a rock sucking my thumb now. So, you know, you just... Yeah, to be fair, that was pretty gentle. I, mean, I, thought, it was, it was I kinda, thought it was kind of funny. Kind of cool. I thought it, yeah. It's Here's okay where me. I know that they hate you, when they don't call you anything. When they ignore your existence, yeah. There you go. So the reason for that, so I'm trying to move us on to another subject here. Can yeah. you tell that? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, because we've got some issues here. Uh, stand your ground. Okay, we've got stand your ground legislation from Representative uh, Pilkington. He'll be here uh, before five. Yes, and I wanted to throw something out there in case we don't ever get to this the rest of today because the, you know we're, we're bringing up a lot of stuff. I got you. I was told from some of my sources who were there 
that the Sheriff's Association... They're against it. They're against Stand Your Ground. And they were letting those legislators who visited with them yesterday know this. Now, I have not heard an official position from the president of the Sheriff's mm-hmm. Association. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really have a problem have with anyone in law them? enforcement. I just found out about this uh, late okay, last night. Okay. I mean, I was texting you at, what, midnight? Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be following up on My that. My wife was asking about that. About why well, I'm texting just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, far, so far, the president has been here quite a bit. I may try to talk to him about it and see, what, see if I can yes, get anything. Yes, uh, President Scott Montgomery. I would like to know why the Sheriff's Association would be against Stand Your Ground. I mean, there are, what, 24 Stand Your Grounds? Uh, I don't. I don't. I think it's possible that they haven't had it ad- adequately explained to them. I think. I think that's a possibility because so many people, when you ask them about standing your ground, they don't really know what it's for, or what it's about, and, and so it's. So let's I enlighten don't people. Buy so, that. so people are well. It is. I do not. Well, buy because the that. castle doctrine. Some people think stand your ground is about the castle doctrine, and they're really two totally separate that's things. Exactly right. right. Castle so, doctrine protects you. That it gives you the right to use. Force, force to meet force with house. force in your home or on your property, the, the immediate area surrounding your home. Stand your ground allows you to do that outside of your home. And Arkansas really does not have a stand your ground law, so to speak. Well, we, actually, what we have is we have kind of the opposite of that. In Arkansas, we have kind of a duty to retreat. And so the. Yeah, for, run, your, run from your ground. Right. And so that, that's, that's kind of the problem. It's, it's kind of bizarre. So let's let's say I don't have a duty to retreat. Well, the, the statute statute seems to think you you, you do. And what so, statute? Well, I can show it to you if you like. I don't the have it in front of me. The enhanced carry statute. No, no, yeah, no, the not, enhanced carry statute. Not that says I have a duty no, to no, retreat. No, there's just a general statute. I have Concealed to find it for you. Concealed handgun license statute. But um, no, no, it's a, it's a general statute. So the but but it's it's limited in in how it would apply. And so the way I describe it is so, let's say if I'm on a street corner passing out political flyers for my my favorite candidate two days before the election, and Somebody on the other side of the street is holding a baseball bat. He's a big guy. He says, if you don't stop handing out those flyers, I'm going to come over there and cave your skull in. Mm-hmm. And he obviously looks like right. he can do it. And so pull cur- a gun on him cur- and shoot him at that point. That would be No, no, no. I, I wouldn't do it at that point. However, you start thinking about it, though. Well, I, I, you know, I might, you know, I might uncover it, I might unlatch it, or whatever it is, and get to the point where I can uncovering it could be considered brandishing well, no, unless but, you're but, open but I've already, anyway. I've already received a felony threat mm-hmm. at this point, and so. He's threatened to kill me, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so it might even be acceptable to go ahead and pull it out and have it ready. Don't point it at him. However, current law actually would probably require me to run from that guy okay. and give up my right to continue to pass out flyers and then see if the, and just call the guy's bluff. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, I'm not allowed to do that. I, I could potentially be a, a arrested and charged for, um, for defending myself because I had the ability to flee in safety. Okay. Because he, because he threatened me and basically told me he would let me flee if I would give up my rights. Right, Paul. I'm going to step out of my commentator shoes right mm-hmm. now, and I'm going to put on my instructor shoes, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell the people who are listening to us and watching us right now, this is what I tell my students who take my pistol classes. Look, when they say, well, what does the law say about this? What does the law say about this? Can I pull my gun? I said, here's the deal. If you truly feel in fear for your life, if you truly are facing a life or death situation, I promise you, you the last thing you're going to worry about is wonder if the law says this is okay. If you really, if your life is really on the line, you're not going to be asking yourself that. And here's the problem I have with with the sheriffs being against, if they are, or anyone who's against Stand Your Ground. 
The people who are supporting, excuse me, the people who are uh, against Stand Your Ground are saying things like, well, more people are going to get hurt because people are going to get trigger happy and pull guns when they shouldn't and shoot people. That's what your judicial system is for. That's what law enforcement is for. They investigate the situation. They interrogate people. But when you take away my right to not only defend myself, but if I'm in a public situation, if someone walks in this Capitol and starts killing a bunch of people, according to your your saying, I I should have to flee. And even if I could retreat, what I train for every single day of my life is to save lives. And I am not going to worry about the law. I'm going to do what I can to save lives. In a case like a a mass shooter situation, I don't think you'd have any duty to retreat there. I I think the the idea there is that, that... I think primarily it would it would, it would apply when you're the the if one. You're carrying being, under the enhanced license. You have a duty to retreat. Period. Well, g- generally you do. It's not just the enhanced license. You generally do if you can do so in complete safety. I think as, as the law says. And so there's somewhat of some some subjectivity. So if so if a guy in a in a wheelchair is unless wielding, you live in Texas. Well, right. But but in Arkansas, so if, so if some some guy in a wheelchair is is carrying a sword, and he's telling me he's going to cut me up, you know, I can get away from a guy in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, not if it was State Representative Josh Miller. He's fast. He might be able to outrun me. This I don't is know. true. But, but and so so anyway, though the current law would probably require me to run from the guy rather than stand my ground and kill him. Yeah. If, the, if, the bottom if line is, if you're me. having to sit there and try to figure out whether or not you legally can do something, you have had time to get away, and there's probably not truly a and, life or death and, situation. And generally speaking, it stay probably, at home. It probably is. <laughs> Stay in bed. Generally speaking, you're going to think about all that. Just stay in bed. That's what I tell people. Can I do this? Should I do that? Can I legally do this? As if your life is truly on the line. I promise you, if you are really staring death in the face, the last thing you're going to be thinking about is, can I legally do this? What they used to teach in Mountain View High School, where I went to school, is do the right thing. There you go. And then sort it out after you're done. That's what they used to teach in Mountain View, Arkansas. But, but in the meantime, though, the issue with standard ground is about whether or not you have to give up your rights. Currently in Arkansas, they, they expect you, in some cases, to give up your rights instead of standing there and defending yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I certainly want to know if the Sheriff's Association is, in fact, against it. Um, I, would like, I would like to know because my question would be why. Mm-hmm. I don't understand law enforcement officers who are against a well-armed society. Mm-hmm. I just think it bears out that a well-armed society is a polite society. Well, you know, Some of the things you will hear law enforcement officers say, because I've, I've listened to them say these things, will be like, well, you know, people, we don't need people pulling guns in public places. They don't know what they're and doing. They're not we good shots. Who the pl- good guys but, but, I've lived my whole life. I've never seen that. And I here's mean. the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> just because some people are not responsibly armed citizens, just because some people don't train does not mean that I should be denied my right. right to stand my ground. So it's the same concept that law enforcement is using in that respect. It's the same concept of saying that we should all be disarmed, all because some responsible gun owners, right. because of or, the irresponsible acts of criminals yeah, with guns. Right. Well, and and the, the, the fact is that if, if you looked at the, the cases where regular citizens like us actually pull a gun to stop a mass killer, they probably have a, a, a much better um, um, track record than police. Because they're there usually. They're there. And the fact is, so, police can get so there. If, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if a mass shooter comes around the corner right here, if I was carrying, I would know who he was. Mm-hmm. He, if I just saw him shot, shoot five people. Now, if the police show up in, in 90 seconds, and they may not know who the bad guy is. And the fact is, we may have already stopped the bad guy, and they might shoot one of us. It's the best possible scenario is for, for somebody who's already there to be armed 
That's right. They don't make the mistake of shooting the wrong guy. Article 2, Section 5 of the the Arkansas State Constitution and Section 29 (laughs) says that the people of Arkansas have a right to keep and bear arms for their common self-defense, period. And Section 29 says any effort to regulate or restrict is in violate. That pretty much covers it. That covers everything, in in my view. So here's what we need you to do. I need you to call your legislator. And first of all, you need to call Representative uh, Pilkington and thank him for, for, you know, we have some Republicans who are stepping up to the plate on gun rights issues. Uh, Representative Pilkington is one of them. Another one is Representative Brant Smith, who is finally, Representative Smith is, has filed a resolution, for those of you who are not aware of this yet, for constitutional carry to, to just clarify what our right is in this state, that we are a constitutional carry state. I mean, it mentions the Taft case. It actually yes. mentions the Taft court but, case. But, you know, the, the fact is... It, it, it's not a bill that has to be passed. It's not something that they have to vote yes or no. People, don't, it's just well, they, to clarify. They will have to vote on it. They will vote on it. Right. And what what's going to happen It'll is we're going to find who, who out votes. who is a counterfeit Republican and who is truly a Republican because all these Republicans run for office saying I'm Second Amendment, I'm a gun-toting mama and daddy and I'm, whatever I'm they say. A, but, I'm going to make but, a little. But, but here's the deal: you're either for the Second Amendment or you're against it. There's no buts. All right, a break. Okay, then we'll come back. Paul, you're going to stay until the bottom of the hour. Yes. When you come back, we'll give you a chance to talk. Okay. <laughs> Dave Ellswick show a break for you. We'll be back in a moment. All right. We're back. I just caught you there, Zach, at the last moment. I was lucky. <laughs> just letting everybody know. All right. So we're at the uh, the house uh, or on the outside of the house. We are not allowed past the doors. They won't let me there to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh, the red coats will get you. That's true. <laughs> Take you out. And the gold coats are there. They never. They never. They never. You know, they always talk about a House and Senate basketball game. They always yeah. play that. I yeah. want red coats versus gold coats or whatever brown coats. That'd be good <laughs> over there. It's kind of interesting that they have red coats. Yeah, that's kind of a historical mm-hmm. precedent. That wasn't it? Yeah, yeah from the very beginning. Yeah, very much so. All right. So what's going on with you, Paul? What, what's what's the thing well, that you're well, watching most? Let me closely? add tomorrow on the on the show we. We'll be uh, talking about uh, with Tim Loggins from Patriots Fact Seven Four Six will be on the program, and we will be talking about this this bill that's been filed by State Representative Brant Smith. Um, what is the uh, uh, what's the bill number again? Paul? It's HR ten thirteen. HR ten thirteen by Brant Smith. It hasn't actually been sent to any committees. Okay, yet. so we don't know. So it, it's, it's, it's committee. Just a few hours. We can well, assume judiciary or anyway. So um, when I saw that it was Brant that filed this, I thought, okay, here's a guy who has already gotten a bill that was. Two years ago, the American Law and American Courts bill, he had to stand up to a lot of, um, uh, you know, sneers and a lot of people from his own party that did not support yep. it. And he got it You're passed right. anyway yep. with, and without the governor's signature. So I thought, man, he's kind of a perfect guy to lead the fight on this particular bill because there's going to be pushback to just clarify, just to have the legislature say, hey, yeah, the Taft case affirms Act 746 of 2013. Uh, you know, we've been a constitutional carry state for five years now have, and longer. The Wild West has not happened here. We're fine. And, you know, but that's going to get some pushback from people who don't want. And see, to me, I don't understand why the Arkansas State Police won't just embrace 746 and begin to market the concealed handgun license as a service to the people if you want to travel out of state. And it would be good publicity for them. Well, actually, hold, hold, in their hold your thoughts. Hold your thoughts. We'll come back after the news. Talk more about it. I need about six mics here. All right, we're back here on the uh, third floor house side. We move into the uh, what time is it now? Three thirty. Three thirty-five. 
And uh, Senator Alan Clark is here. And uh, you guys uh, voted yay on uh, the Constitution today. Convention of States. On the Convention of States resolution, yes. Yes, a 13-page Constitution, not the 10,000-page Constitution. (laughs) Yes, we did. We we were talking about the the extra-long Constitution that that some of these people on the... um, these, some of these attorneys will tell you that the, there's this extra constitution that's several thousand pages. There perhaps. is one in the uh, the Library of Congress, and on the side of it, it says the Constitution of the United States, and it has like all the precedents and everything, and it. it's over 10,000 pages long. And, uh, yeah, the resol- this resolution on the Convention of the States is one of the most controversial things among conservatives, and I'm not sure why. The uh, If we don't balance the budget... Uh, as I brought out on the floor, uh, no nation has ever been in debt this amount and recovered without complete financial collapse. I don't see any other method that we're going to uh, do anything about the budget without a budget, without a balanced budget amendment. And we talk about a uh, runaway convention. Uh, it take you know number one our forefathers uh, with Article Five. The rest of the Constitution and the and the Amendments make lots of sense. This one does too. Uh, it gives the states a way to amend the Constitution if Congress doesn't, and the it simply it requires 34 states to agree. If if we don't have 34 states that have the same resolution, you can have 34 states that have different resolutions. You still don't have a constitutional convention, mm-hmm. and so and we could have 34 states that have a resolution on the uh, balanced budget. And have 33 states that have one on term limits, and you'll only have a convention on balanced budget, not on term limits. Senator, uh, what do you think of the chances of that ever happening? Because we can't even get Democrats and Republicans, we can't even get people in our, at our federal level to come together on anything. I mean, you know, so. Oh, I, I think the chances are minimal. I think we have to try. And uh, so, but if we get to 34, and we're certainly working toward that. We get to 34, and then we have the convention, which we, we would definitely have the convention once we had the 34. Then whatever they do, and by law, all they can do is what they're sent to do. Mm-hmm. It then takes 38 states to ratify. So the, the chances of having redoing the whole Constitution are just nil. It just can't happen. Uh, but the chances of us fixing the budget any other way, I think, are also nil. As I brought out on the floor, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We're there. And uh, so we have to try. We're, we're better off to take a chance of blowing up the Constitution, which is not going to happen, uh, than blowing up the country, which is where we're, what we're very close to doing. I think it, it is going to come down to that. It's either going to be there's going to be an actual violent revolution or there's this option that uh, our founding fathers gave us. Um, so I'm one of those I'm the, one of those last ones to come, you know, being pulled into that because uh, my attitude toward the Convention of States so far has just been I'm, I'm terrified of a runaway convention. I mean, if we can't control if, if we have the powers, you know, the whole problem we're having right now is the balance of powers. We're not keeping each other in check. All the balance, the, the judicial system is not keeping the the executive branch in check and the executive branch like so how is that one going to work what's going to make that one different from the same issues that we're having now that that is not working the well number one of course we haven't done a constitutional convention the uh, as i've said no one has ever been this far in debt and recovered 
So the chances of us, I, I hate to be a prophet of doom, but the chances of us recovering are right. slim. It just, it just yeah. hasn't happened. But, you know, most people don't play spades, so they won't get this reference. But when I'm down 100 points and someone else is about to go out, I will go double blind nil uh, because I'm going to lose anyway. Right. How much you lose by doesn't matter. And so uh, it, so a chance of winning versus losing. If you've got a 99% chance of losing, and will so, you take but, a 2% but chance But this is not win? double blind nil. This isn't uh, – this – if we can get 34 states – to uh, to pass a balanced budget uh, resolution uh, amendment resolution to meet and do this, uh, and then in turn get uh, 38 states. I mean th- that's doable. It's not. It's politics. It's not easy. You, you you've you've run for office. You know mm-hmm. this is always an uphill battle. But if you don't go out there and and try, then you you've lost from the beginning. I like what Wayne Gretzky said that he lost. He missed 100% of the shots he didn't take. So the uh, Or he made every one of them that he didn't take. And so here's the, the thing is I really – I don't think there is any other way that we fix the budget other than this. And so I hope we can do it this way because I see no sign that we're going to do it any other way. Somebody sent me a, a message and wanted to know, did you know how Missy Irvin voted? Did she vote yay? No, Senator Irvin was uh, – uh, had, was I forget what we call it, but uh, had leave today. She had to be somewhere else. So oh, okay. She's so not she in the capital today. Okay. There you go. Now, now you know. All right. What were you going to say, Paul? Well, I don't know. If, if we're finished with convention of states, I, I, I was wanted to talk about his um, his bill he just filed today about building some more parking here on the capital. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because that's a pain in the neck. We definitely need some more parking here on the and and taking. I can vent my spleen right now. Across the street here, there's a parking lot. It's about two-thirds full. Now they've made it. You can't even get in there and take one of those slots that is not even filled. You've got somehow you got to buy the slot, I guess. And I don't know. How do I go about buying a parking place? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what I do know, it, you know, and I think that's part of the thing of being citizen legislators is, you know, you, different people coming from different backgrounds mm-hmm. notice different things. And I notice customer service and parking is customer service. Uh, and as I have said, if I made people park five blocks away from my store, nobody would come. Uh, I would be out of business. But the state can do this because we have a monopoly. You, if you want to do business with the state, if you want to have any say-so in our laws, etc., you will find a place five blocks from here, even if you're elderly, and you will you will find a way to get here. There's no reason for us to do that. When you look at the, the state budget uh, and look what it cost over time, there's been three different studies. And I looked at this two years ago. There's been three different studies. They're out of date, but I think they range from $5 million to $30 million. I'm using the $30 million, the higher figure. Uh, they looked at putting it behind Big Mac. We've looked at uh, the lot across from the Capitol. But regardless, it only makes sense that the taxpayers be able to access their building, that they be able to get here. And uh, I think there will be broad-based support. I doubt it will be this time. But what I have found is that when you put sensible ideas out there, that a lot of times you get slapped down for one session, sometimes two sessions. And then, uh, you know, Reagan said, as the governor brought up, uh, uh, the on our first day that it, it 
there's no limit to what you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, after getting slapped down for a session or two, it will become somebody else's idea and we'll do it. But if somebody doesn't stay out there saying we need to do it, it won't become somebody else's idea and we won't get it done. And, and it very much needs to be done. I, I, I think it's, a, it, it's frustrating because I, I come down here almost every day during session and I don't get paid. I'm not a lobbyist. And it would be nice if I could be, have a little bit more consistent parking. Sometimes we do have to park a long ways away and walk uphill. But it's not and just a physical, you know, exertion issue. It is a safety issue. Little Rock well, is one of the most dangerous yeah, cities in America per capita for violent crime. And you look at somebody like me, not only am I walking, you know, a mile or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm in high heels because I come up here in a suit, and I'm having to walk up here unarmed because I refuse to get the enhanced carry license. So, right. you know, it's a scary thing. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a safety risk. Right. And we're, we're also an aging population. You know, my mom and dad mm-hmm. are 80 and 78. And they're not going to walk five blocks. My dad can't right. walk five blocks. And uh, and we have lots and lots of uh, issues that elderly people want to be involved in. Yeah, yeah. and uh, a lot of times it's the elderly people who have time. Yeah, the, I, that, that, I, can, I can walk up the hills. I'm, I'm 37 years old. I'm in pretty decent shape. I can walk the hills. But there's a lot of people that are – it's a pretty big burden for them. But there's no reason, again, if we, if we were retail, we would provide parking. And there's no reason for us not to look out here and say what what do the what does the customer need? What do our constituents need? What do the taxpayers need? They need parking. They need to be able to they need to be able to get here. And of all the things we're doing, can we uh, take some of this grass in the meantime? There's, there's lots I love, of no, Paul. I love the grass. <laughs> I love the grass. But I tell you, one of the ideas that I heard that I like, oh. I like best putting the parking lot back behind Big Mac. But one of the ideas that I heard that I do like is the parking lot out front. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I didn't even know that we owned. Uh, I think it's the one that they Turn referred to. That don't know how to get into. Uh, is we can only go up three stories because of zoning, because of the capital. But going one block, somebody has looked at that. Going one level underground, mm-hmm. making four levels there. These bills that are important, uh, whether it has to do education or or uh, growing government or more licensing or whatever, when you show up and there's only one or two people here from the public, and maybe what. So I hope making more more, sad though is that you show up and you want to know how your representative voted, and they have a voice vote, and you can't get there's no roll call vote. You find out how your your representative or your senator voted. And and not only that, the other problem is that. If you actually want to show up and talk about a bill, talk on a bill, a lot of times you don't know when it's going to come up unless the legislator themselves tell you, well, I'm going to tell you I'm going to run it on this day. You don't know. And so you may have to come up here half a dozen times and before the bill runs. And most people can't do that. Right. And so that, that's another thing that's frustrating is because they have, they'll have these agendas and we don't have any idea if the bill is going to run. But part of those, you know, those are process problems. Part of those come from the fact that we do have the great freedom that – you know, most states don't have this don't have this great idea that citizens can come uh, and, and just sign up and speak at, at each committee, which I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, you don't know partly because we don't know. Right. You know yeah, both I know, I know you both know. as a legislator who runs bills and both as a chairman, I I often don't know if I'm going to be able to run a bill that day because you don't know don't know how long the other bills are going right. to take. Right. Uh, unless you've got a, a guarantee, which you get sometimes. Right. Uh, as a chairman, you don't know often what legislators will show up, mm-hmm. how long those bills mm-hmm. will take, and so. No, you're, you're right. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to fix the problem. But it's, it's part. It's you know, just, it's sometimes like delivering lumber, and somebody says, "Can you be there at three And I said, "I can be there." 
by 3.30. And if you want me to guarantee by 3.30, but if you want me to guarantee that my truck's going to be there at 3.30, that's that's not part of what we do. Mm-hmm. We can charge extra for that. <laughs> Can't even charge extra and for that one. So uh, I understand the frustration, mm-hmm. but it's... Uh, but normally you can get with a legislator if a bill is important to you. Normally you can get with a legislator if it's not – your legislator may not be on that committee and may not be familiar mm-hmm. with that bill. But you can get with somebody who is familiar with it and find out a more concrete time. Mm-hmm. Not always. Yeah. Sometimes no matter how hard you try. And that really bothers us. As a chairman, man, if you come, I want you to be able to speak. Right. And 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 I hate it if – even if we've gone a long time, I hate it if somebody makes a motion – to limit debate or makes a motion to, to vote immediately. I don't mind it if everybody's, if the public's all spoken, but I hate it if all the public has not got to speak because they may have come from Fayetteville or right. from Texarkana, right. you know, and, and I hate for anybody to, but most of us feel that way. Most of us want people to, to be able to speak and we really, and I have seen us do all kinds of gymnastics if we knew people had come a long ways mm-hmm. to try to hear a bill or to try to get them in. It just sometimes you just well, I mean, just like you today, just can't do it. Today in Gary Stubblefield's um, committee, you were there. Um, Bart Hester had a, a bill that he had a, a man there to speak on it, and he was already there, but it wasn't on the schedule. And so they accommodated that situation and they allowed him to speak and his testimony out. And now they're going to hear the bill on Thursday. Right. And that was one of those things. Bill, I'm sure, got filed a day later than, than what Senator Hester had planned, so it didn't get on the agenda. Right. Uh, but they had planned on doing it today. The man had driven down here from, right. uh, from Fayetteville, yeah. uh, Bentonville, somewhere in that area. And so by agreement, we said, okay, we'll go ahead and hear it. We just won't vote on it. Right. Because it wasn't yeah. on the agenda. I've never seen that happen before. But it was it, it was still done in a way that, that he could get his testimony to the committee, and then you'll hear it so the public can actually have a chance to comment. All right. I got to get a break in, and then we'll come back and finish up our half hour with uh, Senator Clark and uh, see what else we can find out from him of what's going on. Uh, we got another hour ahead of us, and we got some more people that are supposed to be stopping by. We'll see. They've been stuck in committee today, so we'll find out if they're going to be able to join with us or not. We're at live at State Capitol, third floor, house side. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Applied Research of Arkansas. They're working on warts. You know, when I was a kid, you always thought if, if you hold in a wart and it peed on your hand, that meant you're going to get warts. We found out later it had a whole lot to do with, uh, you know, uh, what was it, uh, viral infections and things of that nature. So if you have warts, you're ready to take action. The folks at Applied Research of Arkansas have new clinical studies that could wipe those warts away. Participants receive free study-related care and medication, as well as compensation for time and travel. Here's all that you have to do. Apply online at arcarkansas.com. That's arcarkansas.com. Or just give them a call and talk with folks at Applied Research of Arkansas, 501-954-7822. we got more coming your way. We'll be back in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Um, we can talk about... Uh all right, back with you. Uh, we've got uh, State Senator Alan Clark with us. We've got uh, Paul Calvert, R.D., is here as well as is Jan, uh, is here also, Jan Morgan. I'm Dave Ellswick. We are live uh, covering the uh, 92nd General Assembly. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday right now. When we get closer to the end, we'll be here Monday through Friday when people start 
staying on Fridays. Right now, everybody's leaving Dodge Thursday afternoon. So <laughs> I come and talk to myself for part of Thursday, to be honest with you. So, so with that all said, let's get back with uh, Senator Clark. And let me just ask you, a lot of people are wondering how uh, some of the, the, the governor's programs that he's on, the, the highway bill and, you know, what's going on as far as uh, whether some of the other things that he wanted, uh, teacher pay and all the rest. How is all of that moving forward? You know, Dave, those are all all coming through committees that I'm not on. Okay. And between what I'm, my legislative packet and what I chair and the committees I serve on, you know, the pay comes through education mm-hmm. i don't think there i don't think there'll be any hiccups on that okay the highway i don't think there will be coming through transportation and the transformation you know there may be some details to work out but i would doubt that there would there would be problems there okay uh, but you know we'll see once once we see it uh but as far as i know we other than the teacher pay, I don't know that we've seen any of the rest of it. So you've got okay. some legislation on DHS, and has that? How is that going? I'd like to. I'd like. Well, to know you know, I'm always impatient. You know, I've had bills filed since before the session. Been working on them, some of them for two years, and uh, filed some more, and still have some that aren't filed. I meet with I meet with those folks, and by those folks, I mean uh, DCFS, CACD, the ad litems, uh, and uh, others. Uh, every CASA. Uh, every Thursday, okay, and uh, I th- hope by next week I'll be ready to run some bills. Cool. The one I'm most impatient on is SB seven, okay. which obviously was the first one I filed, uh, which allows legislators to be in child welfare closed hearings. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the uh, I, I think about it. Most everyone, not everyone, but most everyone was good with that, except the judges. They had some concerns that they they couldn't put us out no matter what. Uh, that was not why, the intention. Why, why uh, would why would they ever need to put you out? Well, they have times when they uh, where you know a child's been severely traumatized, etc., where they put everybody out. Right. And if they put everybody out, they ought to be able to put me out too. So they don't, they're, so they're alone uh, with the child themselves. Well, the, the defense attorney there is the okay. two attorneys are there, but I mean they they severely limit the number of people that are there, and I don't I don't not want a judge to be able to run their courtroom. But at the moment, there's no exception for legislators. Mm-hmm. At the moment, the law basically says, although we've attended lots of these hearings, basically says no one's allowed in, wow. uh, including us. And that needs to be changed so that yeah. we are allowed in. And then if, if some judges abuse that, we'll deal with that at that point. Mm-hmm. But it is, there is a separation of powers. And we, you know, I do respect the judge in their courtroom and, and being able to run the courtroom. All right. So without... Uh Further ado, we're running out of time, guys. Okay. I hate to tell you that. Go ahead, real quickly, Artie. Just one question. I knew the the governor was going to try to cut eight hundred and fifty million from from uh, some of the traditional Medicaid patients. As far as mentioned, was in home care, in transportation, and some things like that. To who to who some thinks to help cover the the Medicaid expansion, which is growing. So, have you seen any any action in that department? The last I heard, and I think it was very accurate, former legislator that worked for DHS uh, and uh, several legislators were talking last week, I think, because uh, I've had a lot of concerns about some of the things we've heard. But what I heard at that uh, in that little impromptu meeting was that the 
uh, if the, the income home care would continue, if it unless it rose above what it would cost to be in a facility, at that point it would stop so you'd have a choice. And that's one of the things we were concerned about is that, that they just stopped in home care where it was much better for people. Yeah. Uh, and so if, if that cost is way too high, then then they'll have to look at something else. But uh, So it looks like they're coming up with a happy medium. All right. Senator, thank you very much for coming by. We will see you uh, as the session keeps rolling out. We'll be back in just a few moments uh, with after the news. Let's get to that now on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Mickey Gates. Did you see that? Hanging out. See, I saw that. We talk you. about it all the time, that our legislators are public servants. You know, they work for us. And see, their representative, Mickey Gates, came over and brought me some coffee. <laughs> I like that little white towel me. that he it's had like, over his, sh- his arm. The white napkin brought me some artificial sweetener. Yeah, so uh, I love Representative Gates, you know. Now, you were talking about somebody got in trouble and had to give up their concealed weapons license? Yeah, well, they had to surrender it. Do you want to talk about that, or are we not going to talk about that today? No, you can talk about it. Well, come sit with us. Let's talk about it. Mickey Gates is here. Let's get him on the air with us. I was complaining about that. So, you know, we've been talking about it's not just happening in Arkansas, okay? This is an American thing. The whole red flag law is a a problem across America uh, because it eliminates due process, okay? So in America, our founding fathers laid the foundation that we are innocent until proven guilty, Right. Yes. So, for people that don't know, uh, Representative Gates uh, was charged with some tax issues. Uh, He has still not gone to court. Uh, Whether he's guilty or innocent is not the issue. The issue is, and and you were running for office. I did. And uh, you ran, and you succeeded anyway. The people of your district said, we believe in you. We want you to be our representative, and they voted for you anyway, and you won. So, you are are serving. But in the meantime, you recently got a a, um, letter. Right. I, I got a letter police. from the state police. In fact, it was a registered letter, which I found odd um, because uh, DFNA evidently sent me a letter saying, oh, $259,000 and did not have to send it registered or certified and had 30 days to appeal that, mm-hmm. uh, which I never got. And uh, But I did get a registered letter from the state police saying I had to turn over my concealed carry permit because I had been charged. While due process, and I understand felons can't carry, and I understand that, mm-hmm. I am not a felon. And the fact that I'm innocent and I'm waiting my day in court, in right. fact, I would love to have it already happened. I would love mm-hmm. to have it happen before, before voting came up. So you said there was actually a statute mentioned, that they referenced a statute that allows them to, if you're just charged. In, in Arkansas, if you are charged with a felony, Correct. they can ask you to surrender your license. And yeah. they ask you to surrender it for a certain time period. Did they give mm-hmm. you a time frame? No, or? I would imagine that it was as long until there is a rendering of a verdict or withdrawal of the charge. Mm-hmm. That I, so it didn't say it was re, you know, repealed or, or, or done away with. It was just they hold it. Um, and, of course, I still contend I have a right to carry, a right to conceal carry, just not have a permit, which affords us certain liberties in other states. I, I guess at the heart of it is the due process. Mm-hmm. The presumption of innocence, the fact that I'm elected official, you know, because there's a tendency, oh, he's elected official. He thinks, the, and this is, comes from liberals in particular, but conservatives also, oh, he's, a, he's elected official. He thinks it's about the law. And then they turn around and say the law should apply to him, but it doesn't apply to him here. Well, 
all constitutional rights apply regardless of who we are in whatever position we're in. So the point in me bringing that up today is that if it happened to you, it could happen to anybody. Anyone in Arkansas who's charged with a felony before they have their day in court. So I have asked the state police, show me in the statute where you're able to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, it may be a policy. It may be a whatever. It may be one of those fine lines when you agree to uh, to get your license that nobody reads those little fine line things. At least I don't. Uh, it may be one of those fine line things. But, um, I, you know, I, I gave it to them. I took it in person. I didn't mail it to them. And I wrote them a letter. I think I, it was a letter of protest that I'm giving it under protest. And I made them, uh, the guy that signed, uh, that took it, I made him sign that I was turned over because I didn't want them to, I mean. Arrest you or something. The state of Arkansas lied when they said that, I say they lied. They said they sent me a notice that owed $259,000 and they don't have to prove they even printed it. Uh, I have to prove I didn't get it. And I don't know how to prove a negative. Well, I can prove <laughs> they have my license because I made them sign for it. Yeah. And if they're not signed for it, I wouldn't have given you, it to you, them. You basically have receipt for it. Now. I have a receipt. So, so, but for this is the whole problem with the red flag laws. Yeah. Yeah. Because You're they're, they're, until yeah, they're going to take your, yeah. your license and everything. Not just take your the license. D- they're going to come into your house and right. take so your gun. So this yeah. might be an example of something that might would happen with the red flag laws. They, they might decide, you know what, he's been charged with a felony. We should go ahead and take his guns. And then the next day you get murdered because you can't defend yourself, right. especially after the, the, some of this public record. And so if it's public record that you've been disarmed. Right. Just don't just don't assume that everybody else in my family that has a concealed carry and most of my employees <laughs> that have concealed carries and normally bring their guns to the office. And sometimes they're on the on their desk and sometimes they're not. And some multiple weapons don't assume because I turned over my permit that I've turned over my gun because I'm still breathing. Right. And, <laughs> and and if I was convicted of a felon and I would abide by the laws, uh, but I can just rest assured so far they've not brought any charges against any of my family members and they will not forfeit their right to right. protect themselves right. or and, me. And so another, another problem that's been kind of highlighted with your case is the slow slowness of the system is that yeah, I don't, you, I don't. You've, you, you've been accused, but there's yeah. not enough evidence apparently. And so there's to, this little black it. cloud following Well, I have to be very careful What'd because because I'm under my... I'm trying to be a good boy and do what my attorney says. Mm-hmm. The Don't facts, talk about it. The facts. No, no, no. <laughs> what I can talk about is what has already been public. And what okay. if you read my affidavit for my arrest, which a lot of people have, you know, it doesn't say Mickey and Susan Gates. It does says, say Mickey Gates, owner of the Stonebridge Collection. It says Mickey Gates, member of the Arkansas House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. Now, what does me being a member of the House of Representatives have to do with what they're charging me with? Absolutely. Can I ask you this nothing. question? Yes. When you saw the overkill on the Roger Stone uh, raid that happened, how the media just happened to be present, did that kind of was that deja vu? Deja vu for you? Because I was like, how did all of a sudden there you were? The newspapers there, they got this big picture. Well, let me let me let me tell you the uh, the state police investigator uh, when we first sat and talked here at the Capitol at my office. You know, of course, I was shocked. I was shell shocked. Of course, I've been fighting them for some time, and um, and so I was you know shocked at what he was saying and i said you know I've, i'm under a contract with the state for the first four years of the 10-year audit mm-hmm. and they don't show any record of that no you know and i was going through that um well he called me back and i said well do they show that i've paid fifteen hundred dollars a month every month never been late i paid them thirty one thousand five hundred dollars at the day they arrested me mm-hmm. and, and i'm sitting here going well they show that you're making fifteen hundred dollars but it's not for tax return i said i'm not that benevolent 
I give money to people. <laughs> so I thought, even with that. the with the whether it's the IRS or Department of Finance, I thought if you worked out a deal, let's say they say that you owe money, if you're and you've worked them, out an, an agreement, yeah. and, yeah. and you're making your payments, they don't. Then they normally it, don't stop you from. And make you incapacitated from paying your debt, and that's their goal. And I didn't even agree with I didn't even agree with what we settled on. It was my my CPA had said, "Look, Mickey, they originally started saying you owe one hundred seven thousand. You're at twenty seven thousand plus thirty seven thousand dollars in interest and penalties. Let's settle it. Let's go on and let's do." I said, "If you think this is the best deal, which later on I found out that may not be the case, but uh, I think he just got worn down. I don't tire easy. You know, I sleep four to five hours a night, and sometimes don't get that." Uh, while I may be tired, that does not that does not make me quit or give in. Well, can I interrupt real quickly, so, just for people listening? If you want a license to carry, remember in Arkansas you do not have to have one. We are a constitutional carry state. You do not have to have a license from Arkansas. You can get a license from the state of Arizona as a non-resident. You can get a license from the state of Florida. You can get a license from the state of Utah. You can get a license from the state of Virginia. All of those states will issue you a concealed carry license even though you live in another state. And it's good in 30-something states. So I just want it, and it's a lot cheaper. So I wanted people to be aware of that. So You know, talking about Mickey's experience about being guilty until, until proven innocent, mm-hmm. that is the nature of a red flag flag law yeah well a red flag sure law is. is that's that's a red flag we're going to have a, if there's a red flag raised then we're going to take your rights away from you and we're going to take your firearms and after what they call due process then three to six months later you may get your gun back or you may get your license back to carry a gun they're going to take your gun literally so the the same non-due process that you were subjected to it will be what the entire state is subjected to if we allow a red flag law to be passed. And don't be mistaken, when the governor or anybody else says, I will support this, as long as there's due process, there is never a due process with a red flag law. The governor due process, never said that. All right, the due process says that we will give you your rights back after we take them away from you. So that is not due process by my definition of the word. The governor, let's get this clear. Okay. All, all right. right. The governor said he would if they it. would bring the law to him and show him the due process that was there, he would look at it. That's all he said. Right. And he said he figured there would be there's no way you can do a red flag law and have due process well i hope you're right that's not the way the article that i read was written which may be wrong so uh so i hope that's correct Mm -hmm. well one of the things as a legislator we had a bill come up that's come going through process now initial reaction to it was negative i was not in favor of it and then the more but but one of the things I'm always I'm always open to listen because just because I have a stance today and an understanding today doesn't mean my understanding can't be changed. So I listen to both sides. I start looking, and then I bring in my own experiences, and I come to a conclusion. And I went from leaning against something to where I'm right now, currently, today. If I had to vote, I would vote for it. I'm not a hard yes. I'm just leaning yes. Wait. Vote for what? Uh, it's it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with guns. It's okay. Just another, it's just another <laughs> issue. Another issue. It's okay, another okay. issue. But the principle is, as a legislator, standing in front of judges with young people, like rescuing them out Except of the system. Except unless you're okay. So, okay. We're back. <laughs> we're back. Just, just so you'll know, Mickey. We're, we're back. Sometimes right. for some individuals, 
you have to say it about six times. Yeah. And <laughs> but I, but I got time. on course four times. Four times. times. Four times I got good. it. We're back. All right. Focus so is a word. How are you feeling time. about all this? I mean, where are you at right now? Do you do you have any idea when this you know inquisition is going to be over? <laughs> well, we go back to court on June the tenth. That is when the judge told them in court that they had to turn over. Everything has to be turned over because so far we filed a motion for discovery on July the 13th. So August 13th, September, October, November, December, January, six months later, we have only been turned over basically our emails. So we're still waiting, and that's why we can't really talk about everything in the case. We can't talk about memos. We can't talk about mm-hmm. uh, emails and text messages that have been sent out and things that have been spoken. We're waiting for them to turn over the evidence you don't give them you don't tell them no what you know so we're waiting that's why we can't go public with what we have okay and um but i invite people uh, to come to court trial is set i think for july the 29th i think uh i encourage people to come most times when people go to court they don't exactly want people there to come in here i invite people to come in here uh, i want to be judged by my peers uh that's why i don't want uh, i want we're having a jury trial Mm-hmm. I don't want to be judged by somebody who works for the state of Arkansas. You know, kind my of a, concern for you, of there, I've gone it? through yeah. that before mm-hmm. with DFNA. When you go through and you have a judge that is an employee of the state of Arkansas and an employee of DFNA, and he rules against people most of the time, and uh-huh. when they're appealed back to your county, in your county you win. Why? Because you get a dis. Uh, somebody who's unbiased and and I think fortunately for you the people in your district were able to separate the actual uh, you know there were other Republicans who were being indicted there were federal indictments and that they were able to separate that situation from you because your situation had nothing to do with they were basically charged with taking people's money and the state was saying you haven't filed some Mm -hmm. papers you know, I would, I would, in fact, I, I would open up and look, let people look and see what I pay mm-hmm. in taxes. And I have, I get a paycheck just like everybody else. I get a paycheck from the state. They take out my taxes. Mm-hmm. I get a paycheck from my company every week. And they well, take out, and as an empl- self-employed, you know, at the end of the year, sometimes you have accounting, sometimes you get money back, and sometimes you have to pay people in, uh, pay money in. Well, Representative Gates, uh, because your case is so complicated, anytime you start talking taxes, it gets really complicated. The bottom line is, what should citizens take from this, from what's happened to you? Good question. Here's what I would say. Always ask this question of anybody that wants to ask you a question. Is what I'm telling you going to, can what I tell you be used in a court of law against me? Hmm. If it is, you make sure if you need an attorney. Also, if you deal with anybody from the state of Arkansas and they want to ask you questions, record the conversation. Make sure your, their name is there. Make sure you address them by name because sometimes they will tell you one thing and then later on in other conversations, it will be a totally different story. Record every conversation. If my understanding is correct, I'm not an attorney. Get legal advice for this. But as long as one person is party to a conversation in the state of Arkansas, the conversation can be recorded. No, and I think that's a good policy with anybody, not just state government, but anytime you're dealing with an entity where there's a conflict, if you, I like to get it in writing. You know, uh, I the, always. The problem is, you know, writing. I was in county government 20 years, and every time we got a new auditor, they would come in and saying, "You're doing this wrong." Well, why? Well, the law says this. Okay, the previous state employee that told us how to do things 
we're doing it their way. Well, they told you wrong. And then as soon as that auditor is gone, the next interpreter, I mean, next <laughs> auditor will interpret it different. That is the problem with government when government doesn't even know what the rules and regulations are. And I will just tell you something this legislature is doing now. We heard in a committee today, we want to get rid of a requirement that as far back as 10 years, these reports have been required to be turned into the state and they haven't been turned in. Nobody ever uses them because it's an old antiquated law and we don't need it anymore. Isn't that true with the IRS too, though? On a federal level, the IRS, if they find one mistake in your taxes within the past, what, three years or five years? Seven. Seven years. Then they can, that's a permission slip for them to go back forever. No, they can go back seven years. I thought they could go back forever. Well, if they're they're committing fraud, if they're committing, if they if they go after fraud, but in the state of Arkansas, there is no time limit, and all they have to prove is inconsistencies. An inconsistency, if any two numbers are different or any two entries are different, that's an inconsistency. Mm-hmm. There is no time limit in the state of Arkansas. If you go look at last session at the bill I filed that limits it to seven years, mm-hmm. how far back they can go. DFA put a financial impact statement of $15 million a year that we make off of people from auditing, mainly small businesses. Mm. If we stop auditing from year 7 to year 10, we make $15 million a year. So is there any kind of a probable cause requirement for them before they're allowed to actually require you to... To, to comply no. with an audit? Can they, can they just come along and say, you know what, we, we want to search your papers? I, I don't know. I, no. I don't know. I didn't ask those questions. Uh, I've learned a lot. You know, it's just the same way I've, I'm on. Uh, I said on on the uh, Aging Children Youth Services, On I've, I've seen a lot with DHS. Uh, we have a lot of wonderful, incredibly great DHS employees. Mm-hmm. And then... We have, we have some that how really we, make it bad. I have learned. I have learned to tell people now: if DHS knocks on your door, if they do not have a warrant, do not let them in your house. Even if you have nothing to hide, there are some investigators that will find will find something if your lifestyle offends them. So, if you homeschool, or if you don't have a TV, or if you're not letting your kids play on a semi-electronic gadget for three or four or five hours at a time, that somehow these kids are, and they will find very sorry for those kids. There is a, telling it, a turn, a, t- a time where you just say, you get a warrant, come in. Well, and, I, and that's probably a good policy, unfortunately, that you can't trust the government officials because they might either plant something or kind right. of make something up. What or, I want to know is how we got to this point in America, not just in Arkansas, but in America, well, where the people have to be afraid of their government. It should be the opposite. The government should be afraid of the people. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well... Mickey, we appreciate you sitting down and talking to us. Thank you, sir. I couldn't say anything. And it's, well, <laughs> you said enough. I think everybody can read between the lines, and I thank you for that. Yes. I, I look for my for court coffee. date. I invite the public to come. I want to be judged of my peers, and if my peers say that I'm guilty, well, let it be so. I, I would, you know, back up at that point, but I believe I'll be exonerated. I believe people will demand some action and say, how can we do this to people? And uh, I look for my day. All right. I'll be there. I'll be there to listen. All right, let's take a break for the news, and when we come back, we'll continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show live from the Capitol. All right, back with you, State Capitol, uh, third floor, house side, and uh, we want to get back to Jan Morgan here in just a moment. Before we do that, let me remind everybody that PI Roofing has bought Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. Uh, that means that you can get the great work that you've always got from Tommy's and just know that PI Roofing is going to be doing all of this and you know how 
good they are and quality of service that they have. And that on top of that, of course, PI Roofing offers uh, the comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise you've come to know. So you can get that as well with PI Roofing and Home Solutions. So now it's gutter cleaning, roofing, and home repair expertise. Learn more at piroofing.com. So I was talking uh, to Jan just a moment ago during the break, and I want her to talk about... um, what she has learned talking to the ATF, because there are some things that I've had questions about, because I've been reading about people going out and getting marijuana uh, medicinal licenses, and how, Jan, I'll just turn it over to you. Okay. How is that going to affect people and their gun rights? Okay. Because the federal government looks at this very differently than the state government. In the state of Arkansas, the people voted, and whether you like it or not, the people voted and said, they want medical marijuana in this state. So uh, what I found out, though, is something that I think a lot of people don't realize regarding their gun rights, because I'm seeing people rush out and buy a lot of guns, thinking that once they get that medical marijuana prescription, they cannot buy any more guns from a registered federal firearms licensee dealer. Like you. you. Yeah, like me or any other. Right. Uh, You would have to buy from an individual, which even then, now... That's going to be an issue because here's what I found out. I called ATF in Little Rock and said, I, I want to know, does this go beyond just the purchase of a firearm? And they said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You will lose your gun rights completely, according to ATF, if you get a medical marijuana prescription because it is against federal law. Med- marijuana is against federal law they don't care about the state law that's right so so here's here (laughs) here's what i'm wondering and he couldn't answer this question at that time are there going to are we going to start having squads you know atf squads or law enforcement squads in this state actually going out and doing gun confiscations or home people's homes or just home home searches searches just because someone yeah because once they stop you in your car on a on a speeding for a speeding violation let's say right Mm -hmm. just a regular speed stop um, traffic stop, and you are showing that you have a license. They, have, I mean, that comes up on your records. You have a mm-hmm. license to. Well, they, they might just get, they might just get yeah. the records. You could comp- they can confiscate your guns. I mean, I I don't know how where this is going to end up. I just know that here we here we go. This whole issue with state sovereignty versus federal government. Right. So the federal government may illegally pass laws against marijuana, exactly. and now and now they've decided that they can they can tie that to. Um, to gun ownership rights. Right. And so I, I just wanted to make sure this is what ATF in Little Rock told me because I called them last week because I, I know some people who are responsibly armed, law-abiding Arkansas citizens who are getting a medical marijuana prescription. And they carry, they, they uh, shoot often. And that affects me as the owner of a facility right. where people come in and shoot. Can't have lawbreakers. You can't have, right. And so... I think this is going to open up a whole new can of worms in in this state. You know, what's going to happen? Are we going to? I, I can tell you this: in some states, I think there were. Uh, don't give me. I don't want to state a number because I might be wrong. But there were a number of states that that passed a uh, law called Firearms Freedom Act. Mm-hmm. And what that law basically said is this: if you are a federal agent and you come into our state, Alabama did this. You come into our state and you try to enforce a federal firearms law that is in conflict with our own state gun rights, mm-hmm. 
we're going to arrest your agent. That'd be nice. So that in that case, that there is a governor in that situation who is is or a sheriff mm-hmm. who is actually using that constitutional authority to stand between the people of his state and the abusive arm of a federal government. So has, has anybody actually exercised it yet? <sighs> I don't know. Because we, we've got like just like it's some, we've got abortion laws here in Arkansas. And prosecutors could be arrested. Well, you look at Colorado. I mean, marijuana is legal. Period. That recreational marijuana mm-hmm. is legal mm-hmm. there. And they're, so, not, they're not arresting people left and right. No, they aren't. Right. So, I, but but every you know, you just I don't know. I just right. I wanted people to be aware that mm-hmm. it makes you vulnerable to in the eyes right. of the feds. It makes you vulnerable in that respect, and you need to be aware of that before you go get that medical marijuana license. Right. So, so the, the problem is that we've got so many stinking laws. Some of many of them unconstitutional, mm-hmm. which subject us to um, to being locked up and put in cages or having our guns taken right. away from us exactly for life because that's for, a felony. Perhaps. And so the um, and so the, the the deal is that we need to be uh, a bit more adamant about a federal government not being allowed to to violate the U.S. Constitution by by making and enforcing laws that are just inconsistent mm-hmm. with the Constitution. Because the, the, I don't think it's hardly any kind of argument that somebody can make that says the, the federal government has the authority to outlaw a plant, mm-hmm. to outlaw marijuana grown in the state. Well, you know, the federal, federal government laws, you look at the Bureau of Land Management and all that situation, what that turned into and, and people dying, in, you know, citizens dying because of a dispute there. And in some cases, you've got sheriffs who are bold enough mm-hmm. to stand between the federal government and the rare, citizens of this rare bird, I'm Very afraid. rare. Yes, you're right. Very rare. But but a lot of sheriffs don't realize they have that kind of constitutional authority. I think you're and, right. and I think, you know, that once again, this whole this whole push of trying to educate people about our Constitution and Bill of Rights and know what your rights are, it doesn't mean you're not going to have a, a battle, a legal right. battle. It doesn't mean you're not going to end up in jail or in court, but it, at least, you know, you know what your rights are and you've got a, a starting place. Yeah, yeah. but the, the problem is that we've, we've, we've got a, a history. We have, we have precedent that's been, that has been set with federal agents that they come in and, and bulldoze their way in, I think, and, and nobody stands in their way. But I think it would it might actually get somewhere if a sheriff would get a spine and say, "Look, you can't do this in my county. Mm-hmm. If you do this, I will arrest you. And if you think I'm not going to do it, you better bring lots of guys with lots of guns because we have we're armed here, and it is my job to protect my citizens from having their rights violated. Right. And, it, and the fact is that federal agents are willing to violate people's rights. Because they're trying to uphold illegal federal laws. Well, you know, I showcased a lot of this during Eric Holder's uh, tenure as um, the Attorney General. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were cases where raids were being conducted all over America. You all remember the Gibson yep. guitar case. And, and then all of that just came flooding back when I saw what happened to Roger Stone. And I'm not a Roger Stone mm-hmm. fan. I don't know whether he's guilty or innocent of what they're saying. is. But the point is, you know, we had, what, tw- tw- 29 federal agents come barging in to, to arrest this guy that was at home with his wife. And what we had 12 go over to to uh, to take a terrorist, Osama bin Laden. So... Uh, there's a little, I'm a little excessive force. It's excessive is a real thing. force, and it's an intimidation. It's okay. paramilitary Gestapo-style mm-hmm. tactics, and there's a reason that the feds want to do that and use those, and it's to intimidate the citizens, uh, to frighten them into submitting. And I think that's a very scary place for us and, to be in America. And, and it's dangerous because you know, you know, for, for some reason, you know, I could have one of my tenants um, f- uh, sign a false affidavit against me and. 
And so if they send an, a, a group of um, um, armed agents out to my house and start banging on the door and mm-hmm. and, and cussing like sailors, and, and I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah, barging into your house, right? Right. I mean, I mean, I mean that could happen. Mm-hmm. And, and if Well, it did happen in what, Maryland? A guy got killed because of the red flag. The red flag, right. So something like that could happen. So I think the importance of being respectful of citizens, even if they're suspected of something serious, is, is still important because the fact is that barging into someone's house with a bunch of armed men screaming at you is a dangerous idea because yeah. someone might decide they're want, wanting to defend themselves because they don't know who's on the other side of that door. Even though they claim they're police, how do you know? That no-knock warrant is something that they have to be very uh, to be selective with, only, only used whenever it's a danger to uh, law enforcement lives. You know, right, whenever you're stone, serving tax. Seriously? He's in yeah, his, his, right. Whenever you're serving somebody's taxpayers uh, uh, or tax laws or the IRS, the IRS does not need to be coming in like that. Yes, but so. the IRS was weaponized. The Criminal Investigation Division of the IRS <laughs> and the FBI worked together in cahoots to to do these paramilitary Gestapo-style raids. And, and, and we know just hundreds exactly. Hundreds of thousands of ammunition to rounds. Lots at our of expense. Rounds. At yes. our expense. And I think part of that is due to the fact that we've, we've allowed them to set up a taxing structure that basically makes them think they have the authority to get and pry into our lives in all sorts of ways because of their taxing structure. Well, we have to know what you're doing. We want to, we have to see all of your paperwork. And I'm sorry, what about the Fourth Amendment? The, the, the Fourth Amendment is we're supposed to be secure in our persons and our papers from searches and seizures. I mean, from unreasonable search. I mean, what, what is the And the right here? to not be detained and so, without so probable what, cause. Right, right. And so, 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 so does it, does all of a sudden taxes does that make it okay to just totally abolish the fourth amendment let me is, tell is you is that their excuse you know we're gonna we're, we're we're from the irs and so the fourth amendment doesn't apply anymore hey i had a customer that the irs came in they came in with guns to his business they put all the employees against the wall they loaded I up. That customer. They loaded up all of his filing cabinets. Mm-hmm. They took all the computers out of his business. Mm-hmm. They stormed his home at the same time. Took all his computers and filing cabinets at home, and did their very best to put him out of business to where he couldn't collect on his right. uh, what people owe him. He had no records of, right. of bills or what he owed anybody else. So they did everything they could to put him out of business, and he had not been convicted of one thing right. at all. Whenever they did that. But uh, so I found out real quick that in this country you are guilty by the IRS until you're proven innocent, and it is a am- it is amazing that 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 guy was strong enough to stay in business. It's amazing. It is. Right. So, is there a chance that we can get the ATF to come on and talk? You know, about I will. It? I will work on that because I was trying. I had just made that phone call a couple of days ago, so I will work on that. Yeah, be nice to get them For- here maybe next Tuesday. Okay. They probably feel I'll comfortable because we'll I'll be here in the state capital. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's an important topic, and I'm I'm sure that there will be a lot of people. I agree with that. In. Yeah, so. absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you own guns, you might want to think about. You want to toke up. You might want to mm-hmm. think about it. And I think that on 2020, uh, we'll have uh, recreational marijuana ready to be voted on here in the state. Tell as me well. something on the whole marijuana issue. Yeah. What is because I, I know there are people expecting to get rich off of this whole. Oh yeah. Deal. Okay. So what is to keep someone once they get a medical marijuana uh, license, a uh, prescription, uh, from just buying it from drug dealers because it's cheaper than getting it from the 
distributor from the nothing. legal distributor, nothing. And so if they ever get stopped, uh, you how know, do they're going to. How do you tell the difference? In the how do you tell the difference? Right, right. So I, my I point is, how all these people think they're going to make all this money. Uh, I'm wondering if that's really going to happen. Because well, I, I think they're hoping to be able to get it down below the street price. And the other factor, I think, it's is never made, been below the uh, street price ever, in Colorado. Really? Okay. No. And so the other factor is that you, maybe you won't get arrested while you're buying it. It might be an undercover agent that's selling it to well, you. And the other other factor could be that the these more um, sophisticated growers will, will grow more consistent product, and so you'll know have a, a better much idea more what's powerful in it. product. It might be more well, powerful. Well, I tell you what, many times uh, laws are passed here at the Capitol thinking that everybody is going to abide by them automatically without having an enforcement arm to it, <laughs> and think that uh, hey, if we pass a law that's going to count. You know how many tires there is that everybody's going to do it automatically and collect all these taxes when mm-hmm. people see it as. Now I don't do it. I should say that I abide by the law um, uh, until it conflicts my morals, but I abide by the law. But there are people that will not do it. Well, you look at the bump stock ban. Right. Are you mm-hmm. reading about all the people in all these states that are not even? They're not. They're both, not so turning both in their of bump the pe- stocks. Both of the people who own bump stocks turned them in, right? Oh come on! You know I used to Bo- have a bump stock, no, I'm just, and I, I'm just, I wish I'm, I still I'm, had I'm, it. I'm I wish I still had it. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I, 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 I sold it after only having it a month, years ago, it's because I was like, it's garbage. useless. It's I, I didn't care well, anything. And it, it came into existence because the federal government broke the law and made it illegal for us to own. Full automatics, right? Without it, anything about because the, it's, the, it's, it's a dangerous alternative to the real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an alternative. Does not miss them. You know, they got an alternative to marijuana. That was it, K crap or whatever. I don't know. It is. I don't know. But but there's but there's it's an alternative. But the thing is, though, it's because of the fact the federal government broke the law and violated our rights. And and you know, if it wasn't for that, why would anybody own a bump stock? All right, I only got a few minutes here. Uh, got to get in the break. Okay. Let me look over at RD, eye to eye. <laughs> tell tell, tell my listeners, tell my listeners why they should be using, you know, Sonny's Auto. Well, all parts, all cars run on used parts, and we uh, purchase totaled out cars that were running perfectly fine every day, just like the car that that you drove down here to the Capitol today. That I know, uh, and. Uh, we buy cars that got killed before they reached the end of the life and still had good parts on them. So we offer those parts with one, two, and three-year uh, warranties, and we do offer a labor warranty so you can get your car repa- repaired for half of the price of going to a dealership and get the same warranty that you would get if you were buying it to the dealership and many times a better warranty. And uh, we have less return rate. Uh, I grew up in the new parts business, and uh, recycled auto parts has a less return rate than remanufactured parts because when the car was wrecked, the part was working fine, and you didn't get someone to disassemble it and put it back together. Mm-hmm. Ask people, would you rather fly on an airplane that just landed at the airport that was working fine, or would you rather have one they just backed out of the hangar yeah. and disassembled in a thousand pieces and put, put it, it back, back together? <laughs> so our parts have not been disassembled. They were working fine before. We test them, and we offer them with a, a full one- to three-year warranty that they're going to continue to work after they get on your car. And I can attest, I've got a new engine, I've got a new transmission, and i got a new taillight. The other two are pretty important. All right, we appreciate you already for talking about it, brother. You bet. Thank you. Give them a number. We need to give them a number. All right, 501 
Now, look, R.D.'s business is a little bigger than just him and his wife, all right? So you might talk to somebody that's not R.D., but that's all right. R.D. trained them. That's exactly right. They know the policies, <laughs> and they're trained to to take care of our customers. We have a, a locator service to where we contact thousands of salvage yards at other warehouses, and so we can draw parts from another warehouse if we don't have it and give you the same Sonny's warranty on any of them. All right, let's give you a, a final break here, and then we'll come back and wrap it up from the Capitol with the power panel. Don't forget, the Bible guys are still coming up at 5 o'clock. Just uh, send your question to me or as BibleGuys at SalemLR.com or you can call us at 823-0965 and that'll start in the 5 o'clock hour. A break and then we're back to finish it up. All right, guys, we've got about two minutes left here for this edition of the Power Panel. Jan and uh, R.D. and Paul are going to be back next uh, Tuesday. We've got some different stories we're all going to be kind of working on and trying to get some guests to come in and, and talk to us. We were looking uh, for a state representative today to talk to the you know, stand your ground law, and he forgot about us. Oh. <laughs> so I'll uh, well, I'll, they, be, some, I'll be calling him back tomorrow. Sometimes they get they get busy and sometimes they get too busy. Well, well, and I can't say anything. You know, There's no limit I, what to what I, always, I can forget. What I always <laughs> tell people in the legislature just it, it, you are a public servant, and when the media calls on you, that's the people calling. Yeah, that's true. We we are your liaison. We're the link to the people, and so when the media wants to talk to you and ask you questions about something, that's really. Important to mm-hmm. to talk to us because we're usually asking you to come on because somebody has asked us to ask you to come on. Yeah, he's a good guy. I, really, he I've is. He probably just him. got forgot. He, he's he over in guy. Clarksville and uh, Russellville. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in that area. He's probably just got busy. Okay, well that's fine. We'll yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt. It's only happened once. We can. We, we can. We're not going to hold him guilty and no, proven innocent. No. Right. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll give him his time. Jan, thanks for coming. Yeah, we appreciate been you it's being been here. And uh, Paul, same thing yes, to sir. you, and as well to you, RD. All right. I'll let you all get out of here and. Go take a quick shower as soon as you get home. Go into the local crime walk. There you go. Get, get yourself cleaned up. You know, you, you've been over here rolling in the manure. What can I tell you? Okay. Well, we, we got more. We got the Bible guys coming up in a moment. Right now, the news is on the way. All right. Final hour of a Tuesday show here at the state capitol. It's good to have you along with us today. Of course, uh, Scott is here. Scott is the uh, pastor over at Agape Church, and also Steve is here. Uh, he is, uh, you attend over at Agape. Are you a pastor as well? I am not. You are not. Okay. Okay, move up on your microphones, guys, so we'll be able to hear you gotcha. well. We've got a lot of questions today. People are now really getting into the uh, um you know, the whole thing about Bible guys at SalemLR.com. So let's start off with the first one. I'm wondering why there are so many denominations. Now, we've been asked this question multiple times, but there was kind of a twist to this one and why I still bring it up. There seems to be a smorgasbord of church types, and some of them completely opposite of each other. So what should I look for in a church? Is there a litmus test I should follow? Any suggestions would be helpful. And that's from Rachel. Okay. So I'm turning it over to you guys. 
Okay. Um, a good, uh, Rachel, that's a good question, and thank you for answering. I'm sure there's a lot of people asking. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are looking for a church. Uh, some people might call it uh, church um, shopping or church hopping. Uh, we don't... Uh, we don't Hope like, that you're not hopping. Yeah, we right. don't like to we don't like to church hop for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, when you come into a new area, a new state, a new city, maybe you've changed jobs, you're in a new location, you're looking for a church in your area. That's a good a good question to ask. Um, and um, you know, there's not a prescribed litmus test, except we would say that they need to be a church that follows the um, the scripture. But then again, you know, you can have, as you said, you can have a lot of people who see things in a lot of different ways as to what would be actually. Uh, uh, following the scripture, uh, and um, I think that we would, that for myself, I see this. There are two things. There are what I call open hand issues and closed hand issues. Closed hand issues are things that are just non-negotiable. Uh, if a church does not believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, then that's not going to be the church you want to be a part of. That's a closed hand issue. We cannot negotiate on that. If somebody says there's another way to get to the Father except by the Son. Run away as fast as, as you can. That's it, yeah. If they do not believe in the infallibility of Scripture and the application of the entire Word of God to their life, that's also a closed-hand issue. If they don't believe that, you don't want to be a part of that uh, congregation either. If they don't believe in the what we call the sacraments, which are uh, baptism, which is which is complete immersion, or if they don't believe in uh, serving a communion, these things also must be a part of the overall uh, package. Uh, and I think that, you know, from a... I mean, that's just the basics. That's just kind of how, okay, you guys believe that? Great. Then you take it to the next step. Then we need to come to the issue of the uh, the Holy Spirit. If the church does not believe that the Holy Spirit has been given to mankind for the use in our life and is working in our life now for the purpose of convicting and giving gifts and distributing them to the power of the church, to me that's also a closed-hand issue because it's the Bible is replete with these particular uh, things. I mean, these are the main the main things. But then beyond that, I think we would maybe come into some issues of, okay, then how do you interpret and walk these things out? And I think there's a few things we'd look at in that area, too. Maybe Steve wants to yeah. jump yeah. in. Okay. <laughs> Both uh, come on. Yeah, I think that uh, I would add uh, that there's a – especially nowadays, sometimes it seems um, – if I would have said this 15 or 20 years ago, this would be a no-brainer. And um, and that is really dealing with, like, the Ten Commandments and the Moral and Ethical Commandments. I usually say this, and, and to follow up or piggyback on what Pastor Scott was saying, that there are these things that are just basic. you got to believe in a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and who the Messiah is. Uh, and then basically the moral and ethical commandments. And, and if they're teaching that you don't have to even do the moral and ethical commandments, um, like certain guys that are saying we don't have to follow the Ten Commandments, that's not a place uh, you want to be hanging out. Now, wait, I, mean, I just want to stop you. Feel free to say his name. <laughs> Pastor Stanley. Yeah, not not Charles Sr. Right. He's not said this. Right. Of course, he hasn't rebuked his son for saying it, though. Right. Oh, did you guys discuss this last week? I no, wasn't yeah, yeah. I, I, what I thought we would do is I'll um, go and find that piece, have it recorded, so that before we talk about it, we can play it. Okay. Uh, and th- those are, I mean, that, those are some big things, uh, things that, that you really shouldn't be fellowshipping. There's a, there's a place in 1 Corinthians 5 that talks about those people who call themselves brothers, but they're liars and drunkards and cheaters, and they're basically not following the moral and ethical. He says, don't even have dinner with those kind of people. So we're not talking about things that what you believe about tribulation or heaven or hell or when the resurrection is, things that, as Pastor Scott would say, would be open hand issues where we can discuss and figure them out. 
But if somebody's telling you that it's okay to be transgender, to be homosexual, to commit adultery, to lie, to steal, and just and you're still considered part of the kingdom, uh, those are the kind of um, churches I would not even be involved in. Kind of everybody right. gets to heaven because yeah. of hyper grace. Right. Yeah, yeah. There has to be a standard, and churches that remove the standard really should be removed from your list of uh, of consideration. Obviously, in the technical world we li- technical world we live in, go to their website. Go to their tenets of faith, look at what they believe, and uh, and make sure they believe in these closed-hand issues that we have been discussing. Of course, Steve and I, I think, would throw in there, at least for our, our, our preferences, you, you've got to look at the Bible from the perspective it was written. You need you need to look at it from a Hebraic uh, lens. Can I believe in replacement theology, and you have to support Israel, I, I would add to that. There you go. I would, I would fully stand beside that. So hopefully, Rachel, that helps you out, gives you a little bit of direction to move in the right direction. Okay, it's been said, and this is from Abby, it's been said that the Old Testament scriptures aren't reliable because they were written a hundred years or more after the events happened. True, and there's a question mark after it. Is she probably means, true or not? She probably means New Testament scriptures. Mm-hmm. I would think. It says Old Testament. Okay. Um, well, the the Old Testament scriptures, old or new. I yeah. mean, bottom well, line, they use the same argument. Yeah, but the, the, obviously, the Old Testament scriptures were were written. I mean, the prophets wrote what they saw. They wrote what was happening. So those are written in uh, in real time. Uh, the uh, I, I was going to answer the the um, what I think she probably means is the New Testament okay. part there, but um, because those were written after the obviously you can't write about the resurrection until after the resurrection but right. the prophets you know Ezekiel is writing down what he sees so that's that's real time stuff um, and um, and you can jump in and help me out here with Steve when you think but I think that from what we what most scholars tell us is that John was the last gospel to be written yes and for the longest time people did say it was probably written a hundred or so years afterwards. Well, if that's the case, then it's not the Gospel of John. It's a pseudepigraphal book, which basically means somebody wrote it and stuck John's name on it, because John would not have been living, uh, you know, another seventy plus years after Jesus. Um, but the cool thing about this is um, that um, I forget exactly how many years ago it was now, twenty years ago or so. Uh, we actually found a fragment of the Gospel of John. And that Gospel of John was dated because of the uh, the dating process they were able to do. That that was actually dated to um, the year about it was the year um, about seventy, uh, which was great. But here's the good thing: is because that's the oldest book written, and of course seventy is only forty years after Jesus. And because that's the oldest book written, that means all the other Gospels were written earlier than that. And then when you look at that, you find out that we found we also have found the the Gospel of Acts. The Gospel of Acts turns out that that was written about 50. What's cool about that is the Gospel of Acts is the sequel to the book of Luke, which means Acts was written after Luke. So if Acts is written in 50, then you look at uh, that. That means Luke was written before that. Luke uh, can be dated more around the uh, the 40-year or 50-year period time. Then you've got Matthew and Mark, which are earlier, which put them about written at about uh, the the thirties, which is would have been right after Jesus. So that statement really isn't true. They weren't written hundreds of years afterwards. They were actually written right on the heels of the death and resurrection of the Messiah. So it would still have been fresh. Absolutely. It would have been In fresh. I can't remember which uh, first or second century historian said it, but one of them said that um, that uh, a Hebrew Hebrew Matthew was seen uh, as early as ten years after the resurrection. And I don't remember if that was Eusebius or Justin Martyr who said that, but I know there's a reference to that somewhere. Uh, and part of the reason that some of these other things and these letters weren't written down is because 
Paul was using the quote-unquote Old Testament when he was on his missionary journeys. And so when he came back from all his missionary journeys and then beginning in the late 50s and early 60s, he starts writing back to all of those places. But while he was there, he was using the law of Moses, he was using the prophets, he was using the Psalms to tell the story of Jesus. So there really was no need to write down uh, these other things. Uh, But these other guys were obviously, um, as far as the Gospels, uh, Mark being the first one um, who who, um, wrote down and then... um, uh, Luke and, and, and Matthew building off of that, and then John writing his own uh, later on. But I have that thrown it to me by a friend of mine that I work with that makes these snide comments about, oh, they, they threw out all these other books because they went contrary to your story, Correct. or they were written 50 years later, and it's just people who really don't care. They just want to be caustic and confrontational and not do the research. But that that's not true, and it's surely not true with... Um, the Old Testament either, because as Pastor Scott started to say, the the prophets wrote them down as God uh, was revealing them things to them. The scribes recorded the history of Israel as they went through. So all of those were were documented real time. The only one that really wouldn't have been would be obviously the story of Genesis. Genesis, But I would even argue that it probably was. I would imagine that there were some scribes who kept some of that stuff and then gave the story to Moses. Um, because it wasn't lost. I don't believe it just, you know, God just dropped it into Moses either. I believe that story, those stories of Adam and Seth and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob would have been written and carried down and given to Moses. And you have to remember also that uh, uh, that Adam would have known Noah. That's right. I mean, he lived so long. So, and of course, everybody's sitting around listening to great, 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 grandpa Adam tell the story of what it was like in the garden. And he had... Remember how much capacity he had full capacity of his of his of his brain, so he was telling them in nth detail yeah. everything that happened and this was so valuable the family continued. And then Noah of course becomes the sole caretaker of this knowledge after the flood. So yeah, so you know, even though Adam was a lot earlier, he would have carried that and passed it down all the way into the time of uh, A lot of people Noah. find that impossible to believe, but Adam would have been alive to tell Methuselah. Methuselah yeah. would have told it to Noah, and Noah was alive during Abraham's time. So we're talking four or five time generations that it's all it was passed mm-hmm. verbally. Of course, I think it was written down as also. And of people who are living a lot longer than mm-hmm. we live Absolutely. today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. With, like I said, with full capacity of their uh, of their faculties. I mean, yeah. it would have been uh, it would have been pretty incredible to, to be able to. Th- to, to think the way that, that Adam would have been able to think. I mean, with full, with no limitation in his brain whatsoever. We only use what, what does science tell us? Yeah. Like 15%? 20%? Like yeah. Can you imagine if we'd have had full 100% working? I mean, some people use less than that, Steve. I know, right? We need to find some. <laughs> yeah. and then they, I feel they sorry mock. for the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sorry. So, yeah, it's a joke. It's we, a joke. But it's an accurate joke. Um, uh, <laughs> Many a truth is said in jest. That's that right. The, uh, we sit there and we go back and say, how did they build the pyramids and how did they do these wonderful things when we know that we don't use nearly as much as they had? Maybe maybe we're not as smart as we think we are. I I agree. All right, let's get a break. And when we come back, interesting question from our next uh, email about in the future all nations are going to turn against Israel, which would mean that the U.S. will also turn against them. At what point should we stop opposing our nation's move against Israel if it's prophetically stated that we're going to turn Mm. against Israel? I know it sounds weird. We'll explain as we come back. We're on the third floor of the state capitol right outside the house. 
It's the Dave Ellswick Show as we finish up another day of, of covering the 92nd General Assembly here in Arkansas. All right, so uh, Billy Miller is here. Some and stranger just wondered. What he up, just, He Billy? just transfigured himself. <laughs> I should have warned you that they locked the doors here at 5 o'clock. They and, do indeed. And I would have told you which door to come to and you give a hand sign and they let you in. Absolutely. No, I thought I knew really all the don't. secret hands. No, all right, here's the question, guy. Uh, ask the Bible guys the following question for me. If the Bible tells us that at some point in the future all nations will turn against Israel, that means the U.S. will also turn against them, at what point should we stop <coughs> opposing our nation's move against Israel? After all, if it has been prophesied, then uh, going to happen, and it's going to happen, so at some point, our stand with Israel will become an act of futility and resistance uh, to the prophetic word of God. Will it not? Thank you. They think they got yes, Steve. <laughs> well, I would, I would say it this way. Just because it was prophesied doesn't mean that it's ordained. And what I mean by that is the prophet was observing what was happening in the future. It doesn't mean that you have to be a partaker in it. Because it also says in the last days will become a great falling away. So do we want to do we all want to start sinning so we can say, Yeah, hey, we're fulfilling prophecy? Right. Of course not. So it the trying to find that place of um, basically I think as a people we're going to be sitting back and watching a lot all we can do at that point is pray and it's abs- in my view and how I see things prophetically is it's necessary for this to happen uh, because the book of Ezekiel says that when he brings all of the na- when God brings all of the nations against Israel it's so that the world will know that he is God see they say in the Middle East and in other parts of the world today that the only reason Israel exists is because of America's support they're not saying it's because of the God of Israel they're saying right. it's because of our support so there's going to come a time in which we can no longer financially you know militarily support israel and god is going to whoop all of the other nations and basically all of the nations will say that the god of israel is the god of the universe and the only way that can happen is if we're not there to support so basically it's not that we're fighting god if we're still supporting israel um that that, yeah that's not the case Okay. Yeah, and I, I would add that um, whenever the the word speaks prophetically like that, it does not mean that every single person in the nation is going to turn against Israel. Um, as we know from the nation of Israel, there was always a remnant mm-hmm. in the nation that stood for what was right, even though God said the nation will go this direction, the nation will do this and that. Even though it said the nation would do it, there was always that remnant inside the country. And sometimes even the prophets didn't know. I mean, we know that Elijah didn't know that there were 7,000 that had not bowed the knee right. to, mm-hmm. to Baal. And so, but even in the midst of that, I do believe this. And I, I, if you can allow me to use these words, I do believe there is a church nation in that sense. And that is basically that even though our nation may turn against Israel, the church will never. That's right turn against them at least they'll become a defining point where those who are who are supportive of israel and those who are not there'll be a there will be a a parting of the ways as it were and uh, there will always be a remnant who will always stand with israel even though the nation may go one way there is a the true church that will never go that way and so we should always stand for what's right even though our nation may stand for what's wrong and I will add to that that uh, his rule is not immediate and absolute. We know that I believe it's at least three wars um, where um, people who are in the nations will come against the Antichrist. So it's not like he stands up one day and goes, "Okay, you're all," and everybody just kind of falls in line. So uh, what we know is evil. We should oppose. Period. Plain and simple. 
And uh, you could use Germany as an example. Not everybody in Germany during the Nazi period was in support of it. There were many right. many people that saved a lot of Jewish people, and though they, they were Germans, so they right. were opposing their national rule. And you know, and I think also one thing that's interesting to consider. And I don't know if we can actually you know talk it out on this show, but but you know, God did say that three days Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That's right. And you know, Jonah goes and preaches the sermon. One of the shortest sermons in history, but had the greatest results for for a few sentences. Yet they actually turn, and of course, he got upset about that. You know, is it is uh, you know is it possible uh, that there is a you know an, an exception clause? I don't see it. I don't think I'm necessarily believing that that would be true for for the you well, know, the future of a nation of our nation. But and in that case, it was a delay, right? None of us still ended up. Yeah, being destroyed, of course. Yeah, exactly what was prophesied happening, but due to some repentant hearts, that was delayed. It was pushed off, pushed off, and mm-hmm. we want to be in that situation. I, I don't want good to be point. part of what is being judged. Let that be someone else. A good point. And didn't God all the, several times in the Bible? He said, "I will not bring judgment for the sake of David, my servant. Right, I right. will put Absolutely. it off. You know, yeah. I want I want to put it on Solomon because." Because of David's sake, I'll put it on, you know, the grandson of Solomon, and yet, right. like you said, that four-year reprieve—that's the grace of God, isn't Amen. it? Right. Amen. All right. So we just got about a minute here before we got to go to the uh, the news. So I won't bring up the next question, but we've only covered like two and a half, and <laughs> we've got eight to. Get, so we got at <laughs> okay. least five more to get to when we come back. Me. So we'll uh, we'll get uh, get that in. Remember, good. remember that if you. Uh, Send a question to Bible Guys at Salem L R. That's S A L E M L R dot com. Uh, it will get to me, or it get, to, or if you send it to Scott or whomever, he'll get it to me, and we'll bring it up on the air and we'll talk about it. Uh, next week, I want to specifically talk about Charles Stanley's son and some of the things that he's been saying lately. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's getting pretty c- close to apostasy as, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. And I and, and that just blows my mind. He's not the only one either. Yeah. yeah that it's, but it really blows my mind that Charles Stanley's son is saying that. Because I've never heard Charles Stanley say anything like that. Right. Never. No. And so it would be really uh, an interesting discussion. So you don't want to miss it next week. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to get down and dirty. <laughs> this is the way, the way it goes. And we're not going to fight dirty. We'll fight very, very cleanly. But what he's saying is absolutely wrong. Yep. It's wrong. Don't follow it. It's wrong. All right. News is next, and then we'll have more for you when we come back right here. All right. Let me remind you again that uh, if you have a question for us, easiest way to get to us is uh, Bible Guys at SalemLR.com. S-A-L-E-M-L-R. Dot com. All right, please pass this question on to the Bible, guys. I have heard it said that God will not violate our will. If this is true, how long should I try to, quote, change the will of someone in my life that refuses to see the things of God as I do? How long do I stay in a relationship that seems to be going nowhere, spiritually speaking? You may not like the answer. Let's turn it over. We'll start with you, Scott. Uh, well, I saw Billy kind of sm- laughing, laughing a little bit He's, there. No, it was a smirk. It was, a, it was, smir- it was definitely nothing more than a smirk. A smirk. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so the, I'll address the second half of that first. Um, and the answer to that is Scripture is pretty clear 
you don't leave. Um, you should not enter into knowing that you're unequally yoked. But once you're there, it's your responsibility to stay. Um, you can have a lot of influence. I have known men and women. I have pastored men and women who spent um, lifetimes in relationships not seeing a spouse change, not seeing a spouse change. And in some cases, that spouse did not change until the believing spouse died and then it was the testimony of their life that caused that unbelieving spouse, after they had passed, to then make a change. Mm. Um, you do not know the influence. You cannot know what's truly going on inside of someone else. Um, God has has called us to stay in those sorts, assuming that we're not talking about um, violence and... Right. Yeah, yeah, or or and you're talking. He's talking sort. about marriage too, not like people who are dating. I, if right. you are in a dating relationship mm-hmm. and you are unequally yoked, you should there be you. looking to walk away. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, the the rule in my home for dating is that we don't. Uh, my children are allowed to pursue a a spouse at some point. They are not out dating. Um, that is a bad. Dating teaches you nothing more than to, how to end a relationship. Because you, you get into a relationship, end it, get into a relationship, end it. Well, guess what happens when you move into a long-term relationship that we call marriage? You're already taught really well how to end those. So if you're in a dating relationship and you're unequally yoked, um, you should be moving away from that. Uh, if you're in marriage, though, you're, you're called to stay there. All right. Real quickly, you should explain what you're meaning by unequally yoked. Unequally yoked. You are a believer and they are not. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I, I get what the uh, what the uh, what the question is trying to ask us because God won't um, violate our will. Um, the person's asking, should I then be forcing someone to go to church with me or forcing someone to read the Bible because I'm I'm in a essence violating their will to follow spiritually? I don't think that's what they're saying at all. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think they're saying, how long do I have to hang on yeah. this? Right. Right. I mean, that's where seriously. that's where the spirit of God comes in because using the examples that Billy's was talking about, I've known um, women that have been praying. We're mainly talking about women with men women. here because men yeah. are the most stubborn people, not yeah. the women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand that, but I can just you know I've heard it. Um, heard that, it. I've just heard that it's a possibility. <laughs> not true. As as I think I read. Yeah, it's not true. My life. I've just heard read, as you were talking to yourself. I read a book someplace <laughs> um, that men are from Mars. That, that, but there are also testimonies where a, a woman prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and then they got saved. And then, but then there are others who they didn't. Right. And it's and it's just one of those things that you really have to enter into a time of real prayer and fasting to find out what the Spirit of God says to you about that situation. Um, but again, if you're married, um, it's that's just a difficult thing. If you're not talking, you know, violence or abuse or something. You would, need, uh, you know, I'd encourage you. You need to go in and sit down with a counselor yeah. or, with, or with, uh, with your pastor and have him walk you through this. This is obviously a very short uh, answer, but you know the word says, uh, if the unbelieving wants to depart, let him depart. Let him depart. That's right. And uh, and but but, but the but what you need to do is you need to live your life fully for God, uh, full out for the Lord. You don't you don't uh, compromise your your walk of faith. You don't compromise your time in in church. If you don't have an income. And you do get a little bit of money. You don't compromise your giving to God. I mean, you, you live the life, a holy, godly life, before the person that uh, is uh, resisting you. Uh, and if they say, you know, I can't hang with this. Paul says in Corinthians, he said, if they want to depart, let them depart. If they don't believe it has to walk away, that's fine. The believer is not under bondage in such situations, he sure. says. But uh, you're, you're meant to live full out for God and let the other person make that decision. But the only way that should happen 
should yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. It happens other ways than this, but if you were both gotten married, neither one of you were right. believers, yeah. and one gets saved, <coughs> yeah. you're not supposed to run away from the other folk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, he says if they'll have you, then you should stay. And you know, but in, in, and but if they want to go, then you let them go. And it, it does. It creates a terrible situation. You have sometimes a husband who doesn't get saved, and he tells his wife, "You're not going to church. That's right. I don't yeah. care what your faith is. You're not giving my money away. You're not mm-hmm. going to. I mean, and then they're imposing their will on someone who's wanting to yeah. to serve God. It's a very very, very messy that, situation. That's why it, it it has to be counseled. Yeah, right. You got to gotta know the details in, in the, to give a clear answer. So whoever, whoever wrote that, uh, yes, seek seek some help, see some see and some counsel. Tough. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hello, Pastor Scott. Oh, that's not me. That's the, the person. Uh, okay. okay. I say welcome, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why did the men Levi, Matthew, Luke in five uh, Luke five twenty seven? Uh, follow Yeshua. What is the Jewish context? Thank you. Thank you. Why did they follow him? Yeah, that's it says. That's I'm reading it the way it's written. I'm okay. guess they're asking why did when Christ called them? Did they just yeah. follow him? Why did they just so drop? He, he just walks up, and says, "Hey, y'all, follow and me." They and, 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 and they just dropped and they just dropped and left. Yeah. I, I love this particular. Well, if you'd like it, go for it. I, I'm a, I'm a little blank here. Okay, so <clears throat> it is the. Particularly during this this period of of Hebrew history, it is the desire of every young man mm-hmm. to eventually become a disciple and then eventually a rabbi. Um, so all of these men they have other jobs, which means they have failed the um, qualifications, as it were, to become disciples and then eventually rabbis. Gotcha. So when a rabbi walks down the road and spots these men and goes, "Hey." Uh, I'm going to give you another chance. Come follow me and become my disciple. This is the opportunity to, and I really hate to use this terminology, but it's, it's an opportunity to step up a station in life. They go from being a fisherman, a tax collector, whatever it is, to being a disciple. Um, the goal of every young man in Israel uh, with the with the intention someday of being a rabbi themselves. So um, it seems odd to us, uh, but you know, if someone... If you're if you're a, a huge football fan and so you're you're working a menial job somewhere and someone goes hey we'd we'd like you to come accept a professional footballer salary and be on the team you go yep thank you very much right and you now. walk away so that's kind of the situation we're seeing here we don't understand that in our culture because that um, that relationship that exists between uh, master and apprentice or master and discipline doesn't really exist in our culture but this was a uh, this was a no-brainer for these guys yeah, that's a good point you you stirred my, my memory in uh, in in the synagogue they had two schools they had one called bet sefer and one called bet midrash and so the children would start off in a place called Bet Sefer, and Bet Sefer, the word Sefer is, is the word for letters, so basically it's a place where they began their learning. And then what happens, the cream of the crop rises up, and those who are at the cream of the crop move on to the, the Bet Midrash. And after that, you have the cream of the crop, and then the rabbis would more or less come in and recruit the men from that to become their disciples. And if you weren't the cream of the crop, then you went from that into a vocation, most of the time into your father's vocation right. and things like that. So so what what, um, what Billy's saying uh, has, uh, has a lot of merit there. Is there something in that verse that we're yeah, not thinking about? Yeah, I was just about? reading it. No, it's just it, it's it's also in the context in the midst of him doing some miracles, and so I'm sure that you know the word was going around as well, and that um, after one of these events happened, that he there was something obviously different as well, something that sure. may sound very simple and trivial, but it was the same time. It's all of the above of, of what's been spoken so far, and then oh by the way, here's somebody who's doing something pretty miraculous, right. and he says. 
I want you to come hang with me. Well, and he was, we see instances where it says he's not like the other rabbis. Right. He's not, he's, he speaks not only with the prophetic voice, but he speaks with a miraculous voice, and he speaks as though one with authority, mm-hmm. right? When, what, he, doesn't, he doesn't argue back and forth. He simply goes, no, 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 this is what it means. Right. And it, how many times have you looked, and you, you guys know what I'm about to say. You know who the phonies are. You know the guys who can quote the scriptures, sure. uh, but they don't live it, or they just sound they're like a puppet. But then there's those guys who you spend a little time with, and you know that their heart is after God. Right. And I guarantee a lot of those guys were tired of hearing all of the same old goofiness from the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were the hypocrites. And here, one, here comes a real one. Mm-hmm. Here right. comes one that's sincere. And I think that, that when you spend a little time with somebody who's wanting to invest in you, and he says something, you know, and it just stirs your stirs your spirit. I think it. I think the answer is all of the above here. Yeah. So what? It wasn't that they didn't know who Jesus was. Right. They obviously knew who he right. was when he came by and asked them. Yep. I think that's probably the the best answer we can give to that uh, that situation. All right. We got to take one more break, and then we'll come back and uh, we'll take on some interesting verses when we come back. Someone is asking about Matthew seven verses twenty one through twenty three. What is the meaning of "never knew you"? From those verses, quote, are these believers or unbelievers? Be an interesting discussion when we return. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We are live at the Capitol, and we're not covering the Capitol right now. We're covering things that are much more important than what are covered here in these marbled walls. But we'll be back with you in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Me 20 degrees. Hey. <laughs> you know when it gets All right, up. we're back. We're back. You can have it. I'm, I didn't. I didn't hear. Uh, didn't hear him come back. But we're just talking about how cold it's going to be in Chicago. Mm. Six below tomorrow, right? Was it? And then thirteen below on Wednesday, with a wind chill of like twenty-two below zero. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I used to live up there. I'm telling you. You get into the wind like that, and you're in downtown, and it's like standing in a wind tunnel. Yeah. It is brutal yeah. you know, walking through Chicago. All right, here's the question. They said that this is going to be one of the hard questions. <laughs> That's what they were saying here. All right, what is the meaning of never knew you from Matthew seven twenty-one through 23? Are these believers... Or unbelievers. Steve. Who wants to make the first throw the first Molotov cocktail? Yeah. <laughs> Grenades on the table. Who's going to flop on that? Well, um, they said that they did these things in his name, so they obviously knew who he was. Right. So he said, "Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity." Um, and you know they said that we you know healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out demons and they did all these things in in his name so they obviously knew him they believed in who he was but he said depart and the word there for knew is probably the Hebrew word yada which is the same word when it means uh, to know someone in an intimately and sexual way but you know sexual obviously doesn't mean physical here it means in an intimate way and one of the things that we sometimes fail um, to teach is what Jesus really came to restore. He came to restore what Adam lost. And Adam walked within, to, with God in the coolness of the day, and he had a face-to-face intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. And so getting saved is not about getting your hell, get your hell, 
get out of hell get out of hell free card. Um, it's about being restored to relationship, about a place of intimacy with God. And so, if you think that it's just a matter of well, saying a prayer, but then never walking the way mm-hmm. your husband wants you to walk, the one who you've been bought to, you're part of the, you're the bride of Christ, and you don't walk according to the way the bridegroom wants, then you really never had an intimate relationship with him to begin with. You really become nothing more than a Pharisee. You've just become someone who is just, and let, you know what? Let me clarify that. Not all Pharisees were bad, mm-hmm. but it tends to be that way. So I apologize for using that that analogy. But you've someone who has just gone through the motion. And uh, and he's just saying, I don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, and I think that we can uh, also, um, you know, look at this that it's possible um, that um, you know there's a, there's a doctrine that says uh, once saved, always saved, uh, and people believe that once you're born again, regardless of how you live your life or what you do, you can never lose your salvation. It could very well be here. These people started off good, and they were walking with God and doing great things, but then their lifestyle began to change and now they're at the end of their life and they've walked away from what they knew was was true because at the end of this verse here uh the word i think steve is right the word yada it is is an intimate knowing um but the end of it here it says um and then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness, lawlessness. Yep. so what has happened here is these people have rejected when the bible says lawlessness it's not talking about they're violating the traffic law or they're not you know it's, it's only referring to the law of god so these people have walked away from the law of god and now they're it's not that they just don't believe it they're practicing lawlessness their lifestyle is now no longer in concert with god's will so they've effectively walked away from what they knew so maybe one time they were powerhouses and did great things and now they've just walked away from it and expecting that that stamp in their passport that they got 30 years ago right. is still going to be good on the day they try to make this journey to heaven. And God just says, depart. It, it is the lawlessness statement there, the reason I said this was such a grenade on the table, because from the context of the scripture, this appears to me to be the hyper-grace people of that age. They've, they've said, hey, we stood up and said that prayer that one time. Uh, we expect to be saved regardless of the fact that we violated the law in our day-to-day. Uh, unfortunately, that is by and large what the modern-day church teaches. The modern-day church teaches that you can, you got Jesus on you, you love Jesus, Jesus loves you, you go live how you want to live. But that is not what the context of this scripture says. It says, if you practice, now practice is not a, hey, I sinned one time because I slipped. Sure. This is my daily lifestyle. I practice lawlessness. Then when I show up, he's going to go, uh, I told you if you love me, you'll keep my law. And you chose not to. So you don't love me, and therefore, I ain't got anything to do with you. And that is the scariest thing, from, from in my opinion, for what the modern day church is doing to people's lives. I think this verse is actually the scariest verse in the Bible. Yeah. You can remove everything that happened to Sodom and Gomorrah in the book yeah, of Revelation. Absolutely. These are people who look like they thought they had it together. Yeah. And that he's like, I have no idea who you are. But I, I agree with Pastor Scott that these were people who they tricked themselves. They deceived themselves. And they were people who thought that they could just walk however they wanted to walk and that they would still get in the door. And I know there's a lot of people out there going, well, you're saying it's by by works and not by grace. It's like, no, because if you've been given the grace of God, then your de- desire should be to do the will of God. 
and grace steps in when you fall short, when you're saying, I'm struggling with this and I need help to overcome it. Right. Not, well, um, it's just like here, you know, if you go to a court today and you got pulled over for speeding and they, and they pardoned you for speeding, you don't drive up and down the street doing 100 miles an hour saying, well, I've got a pardon. I can speed right. whenever I want. That's what we teach that Jesus came to do most of the time. And that's just simply not true. You take, you are thankful for the pardon and then you start obeying the laws because he pardoned you. Right. And it's really all about relationship, right? The, our relationship with the Lord is really supposed to be all about relationship. Mm-hmm. And the context here, that intimate knowing is really, um, the, the closest example we have is a marriage um, where, where I am um, intimately connected to my partner. But uh, I am not married because she does what I say and I do what she says. But I start breaking my vows and I start living that way on a regular basis, and I ain't going to stay married very long. No. Um, she will rectify that, I promise. <laughs> so th- that's the same sort of context we see here. It's that I know you intimately, but I'm not going to accept a, a someone who wants to prostitute themselves out continuously, violating this relationship we have, and you want to live that way as a lifestyle. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to accept you. Okay, so with all that said, all right, let's do a little teaser for next week. Mm. All right. With uh, talking about, uh, I don't know what Stanley's son's first name is. Andy. It's Andy, Andy Stanley, who is preaching that, hey, Ten Commandments don't mean what they used to mean. You know, if you're a Christian, what's the big deal here? All right. Uh, That's what I'm hearing here from you all. There is a big deal here. Absolutely. It's like um, what James says, and James is very controversial in that he said, he said that that faith was made perfect by works. Mm-hmm. He says it was and asked a few questions about Abraham and how he Abraham was saved. But James kind of puts a cap on it when he says, "You show me, you 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 tell me you have faith, but you don't have any evidence of that in your life. I tell you I have faith and I have evidence. Therefore, he says, faith without evidence or faith without works is dead." It, it's nothingness. Faith without fruit. That's it's exactly. would say that it, your your beliefs are wrong. And and and, and going along with that particular uh, you know word you know even um, even John the Baptist says bring forth fruits of repentance. You say you repent. You come down to the water. Show me that. And that's a very Jewish idea. Mm-hmm. A repentance is not just stopping doing what's wrong, but it's yes stopping doing what's wrong and start doing, doing what's, what's right. right it is and it is goes back to that lifestyle what does the bible say by their fruit you will know them mm-hmm. and we'll we'll know who is um who is on our team by the way that they live their they so live their life hebrew 101 and rabbinic application 101 uh in hebrew if you say you believe something but you don't do something, then they'll tell you you don't believe don't it. Believe it. It's just it that makes simple. sense, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, even in a, a Greek context, if you say that you believe in God, you believe in His commandments, but you don't do the commandments, then you don't believe them. And then the rabbis, they don't ask you what you believe. So it, the phrase that they use for fulfilling God's word is halacha, and it means to walk it out, which means to do it. So they want to know what you're doing, not what you think. So it's That's not what matters. talking the talk, but That's walking right. the walk. It absolutely. Modern Christianity will sit around in a circle, and we'll go around, and everybody will say, what does that verse mean to you? What does that verse to me mean? And what does it mean to you? And you'll have five different answers. Yep. But in the Jewish mind, the Middle Eastern mind, they, they don't ask, what do you think it means? They'll say, 
how do you do that verse? How do you do, how that? Do, you do that verse? They don't ask what you believe because actually they don't care what you believe what it you means think. if you're not doing it. Yep. And so it, it makes it, it brings a very practical, tactile thing, and that's exactly what our Messiah taught us. That's right. I like that. I had yeah. never heard it explained that way. That's mm-hmm. really good. How do you do, how that, do, you verse? do that verse? Yeah. Because it, it really matters verse? not what you think about it if you're not actually doing it in your life. Zach, you're 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 off mic, but does that make uh, when you study your Bible different when you think about it that way? How do you do that verse? How do you sure. do it? That's really that's really good. Ask I like that, that a lot. All right, let's take the break, guys. Good job. Appreciate you coming in here. Sorry, uh, thank you, uh, Billy, that we couldn't get you in. It no. really, I didn't call down and tell him to lock the door it was on, on purpose. You should have heard him. No, I didn't. I didn't do that to you. <laughs> I'll see you all again next week. Don't forget, Bible guys are Tuesdays at the five o'clock hour. You got a question for them? It's Bible guys at salemlr.com. See you tomorrow, two o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.